like um we should be live there we go oh, really? so welcome back eric uh desiree is gonna be uh co-host she's gonna have the different view on the different subjects because uh she has the the observation of somebody that's not directly an architect but um thank you for accepting the invitation for the episode number 100 despite uh you told me you're very very busy because you're doing um some uh, overnight work for some competition as usual yeah um, <laughs> but for for me it was important to have you because i remember when we did the first podcast with you and i told you that i numbered episode zero zero because uh i want to get to thousand you were like skeptical ah, i'm gonna see that and then it's the hundred i say okay i want to invite eric show him <laughs> at least the hundred is there no, it's uh, well. Thank you very much for 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 for, for the little talk. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 the nice moments of my Sunday. Um, yeah, no, no, I I never had a doubt that you will manage to do it. I mean, they, you know, they, there's two sort of people in the world. They, they are the people doing it and the people not doing it. So you're doing it. If you do it repeatedly, it will it will work. I mean, this is this is the this is the whole point of doing it repeatedly. So of course you will. I'm super happy. I mean, I want to be in the thousand after that. Of course, we hope to survive until until the thousand, right? Because I was also thinking the first time we we talked about uh, together, there was no video. Uh, was in the mi middle of the first pandemic, and now yeah. we are in the middle of a war. <laughs> so I don't know if we should talk again. <laughs> no, but, well, it's not my fault. First, oh huh? <laughs> uh, well. I hope it's not my fault. You never know, actually. I've been to Ukraine like a lot, so maybe it's my fault. But I, I'm I'm totally pro-Ukrainian, so there's no there's no discussion here. So people that are pro-Russian, you can just leave the podcast right now. You can come back later, I mean, but not now. Uh, no, but by the way, since since the war started, I'm also pro-Ukraine. Uh, we we put in every description of the podcast like the e IBAN where you can donate to the Ukrainian army. You do that and also give to the people that are having problems. I mean, so we, you need both food and weapons. This is the only way, the only way to win a war. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I saw also you, you're very active, uh, yeah. like uh, artistically, let's say. Um, you have done a couple of images um, that were related to, to the Ukraine war. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, I've been to Ukraine a few times and it's 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 honestly you know it's uh, i i went first because of a because of a lecture i was in, invited to something that was called connection uh and really i i honestly didn't know exactly where ukraine was on the map uh, just remember that the capital was kiev but it was more you know out of luck than than anything else and it was one of my, uh, probably my, the, my favorite lecture, the best I ever did, mostly because of the audience. Uh, and like five or six days, absolutely amazing. Uh, all the people that I met at that moment were still friends. And I, it was in 2012, so just one, one, one year before Maidan. Uh, and and, and I, I, I went back, the, the, the last time was in 2019, so... Uh, not that long ago, just before the pandemic, uh, also for a lecture. And I absolutely love Ukraine. It, it's, 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 uh, it's not something, you know, there are countries that you feel good and country you don't feel good about. And Ukraine, 
because of it, I don't know, maybe it's coming from a, there's both a romantic and a, a no-brainer, you know, kind of mentality. And people can do wonders with not a lot. They, there's an enthusiasm that we certainly have lost. I mean, we, we became in Europe whiny little bitches. Huh? That, that is a bit what happened. And, 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 and it's nice to see actually a country that still wants to do it. I'm not saying that the country was in a good state, that it's easy, that it was not corrupted. I mean, I'm not uh, embellishing the, 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 the thing much, but to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, well. And, uh, and <laughs> a lot of what nice one also <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't mean that i don't love russia so we clear as well i mean it's it, it doesn't make russia a bad country it made some russian a bad country i mean the, the same way uh no all germans were nazis and uh, you know all not french all not the french were uh were for the revolution but nevertheless it's a fantastic country um I'm absolutely, totally sorry that it's happening. Uh, I do everything I can. Uh, I try to not overdo it because, you know, it can seem like a, it can seem a bit like a gimmick. Uh, but it's, it's, I'm brutally honest about it. I generally never give my, 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 uh, my opinion uh, online because finally, I mean, it's, it's just bringing, you know, trolls and, 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 and stupid discussions. But in that case, I'm doing it. Uh, and, and I can discuss about it because uh, I, I became kind of fluent on, on the subject. And I can really say that my, my love for Ukraine is coming from a mentality that I think we've lost. And this mentality is all about being brave. Uh, as, as dumb as it sounds, even, even in art, you have to be brave at some point. Even in, uh, you know, you, 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 you have to go somewhere yeah. and in order to go somewhere you, you have to be brave and it's true for images true for music and it's true for war as well but we don't do wars anymore not that i'm missing it uh, i'm glad we don't but uh, yeah you have to have some uh, uh, fearless kind of yeah bravery i think this is exactly yeah. what ukrainians are showing is on top of being incredibly incredibly funny even in the in the darkest hours which is something that you can find churchillian uh in a way something that's uh, obviously zelensky and churchill are having together uh in common uh, a good communication but also a straight mind uh you know I, I will tell you i know that we are not supposed to discuss that we are supposed to to, to talk about archives and all this stuff but I, i've read a super interesting book it's called the end of the of the red man uh, it's uh, it's it's by God, I forgot the name of the of the writer. Uh, she had a she had a, she had a novel for the for the book on Chernobyl, and they were talking. And it's it's a series of interview on uh, of Russians that are missing the Soviet era. So why why the hell would you miss a dictator? And it's super interesting because into the book, and this is something that really really I, I cannot stop thinking about it. Is that you start the, the, the Russia, the Putinist Russia, or even the, the Soviet Russia, started going wrong when they broke the instruments that permit to verify if something is true or not. And think about it. Indeed, when you don't have the instruments that can, that can verify that what is happening on the ground is really, uh, what I think in the field is really happening, then there's no way you can address the problem. 
And actually, this is exactly what it started. Then the Soviet did, and then what Putin is doing is that it destroyed the the tools that permits to check if something is happening or not. Therefore, he's in the wrong entirely, and he's in the wrong because of the politics that is made around it. It's not necessarily a decision that he's taking, but he, he doesn't have the majority anymore. He doesn't have the tools. He doesn't have the information, the right ones. So it leads to something crazy. And if there is something interesting in democracies, is that we have these tools. We have the tools that can verify that something is having a problem. They don't have them anymore. And this is the, the, the reason why the, this conflict is happening. It's because of, of everything is wrong and, 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 and off in the Russian mind. No, I, I was thinking about this too, because um, uh, if you, I mean, of course I come from Bulgaria, which is a country that it's uh, currently very divided on the situation because of, you can imagine, uh, there are many moments in history where the histories of the two countries are of Russia and Bulgaria are connected. And also there are these 50 years of communism where the Russians basically um, decided how to teach history in, in, in Bulgaria. So the minds of Bulgarians are very confused. Um, and also it's very similar to, you know, to, to the, um, to how you lead, right? So you have to have the freedom of speech as an expert. Also in your company, for example, you have experts that are archivist experts. And if some of your uh, collaborators comes to you and knows that you're a kind of dictator within your company and tells you, uh, Eric, uh, we don't have enough people. We cannot manage to do this on time. And uh, this is the reason. And I believe this and that. And, and if you are if you're like dictator wise person that fires people right away, they're not going to be coming to you to, to tell you anything. So I think uh, it's also um, um, a problem, right? So you, you need to have freedom of expression and freedom of, yeah, of listening to others to understand if they're, what, are, what is the real problem? What is the real issue? But, but, the, the, but, but the, the truth is that it's a powerful tool. The, the freedom of expression is a powerful tool, even in a war. I mean, the Nazi lost the war because they were not having it, while the Brits were having it. And therefore, they could correct the thing because you, 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 you have the right, you know, informations. And you need to have the right informations if you want to be efficient. So they, I'm not going to discuss whether a system is better than another. One, sure is, one thing is for sure is that in democracy, you have counterpowers, and the counterpowers are actually the ones that are giving you the right information. So if you want to be efficient at some point, you have to have the right information, even if very often they are not that good. But it's, it's, a, it's a question of efficiency. And it's a kind of what people are stupidly thinking about dictature is that they are efficient. They are efficient for a moment, but they collapse because at some point you cannot shovel, you know, the bad stuff under the, under the carpet endlessly. Uh, so it is more painful to be a democracy but it's finally less efficient on the long run. And that will end the little moment of politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, let's try to be more, more positive. I wanted, now, now it's a great moment because the first time we spoke on the podcast, that was so time, such a long time ago that uh, there was not even a video. I no. remember when um, <laughs> there was even a glitch and I, I thought we lost uh, the, the recording, but luckily it worked out. So um, 
you've been doing a lot since uh, the last time we talked. Like here, we can see the Instagram account of Luxigon. Yeah, which well, is... the, Instagram, the, the Instagram account, we, we stopped at some point because of the war in Ukraine. This is really like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to fucking endlessly uh, advertise images. For a couple of months, we decided that we, we would just go off the, off the grid for a moment. I mean, seriously, <laughs> architectural visualization. Well, I was right, huh? <laughs> Happy New Year! Yeah, it turns out it was uh, I, I was not that that off. But the 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 the, the uh, yeah no we 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 we're doing what we're doing. It's a bit complicated. I'll be honest with you. It's a bit complicated these days because most of the things we do that are really nice we cannot show. You know, someone someone they had invented NDAs. You know, non-disclosure agreements. Mm. And and they, and you have to sign that like every five minutes you have to sign one of them. So it means that basically you cannot show images anymore or anything. So yeah. And these are like, for example, I see you've done some images for like space exploration artists uh, uh, projects that are really being um, discussed to be realized. Or yeah, yeah, it's really it's graphene. God, you don't know graphene. Graphene is like the future. It's like chocolate for space. Uh, no, it turns out to be a very funny, a very funny experience, mostly because of the people. The people that were doing that were really passionate. Uh, graphene is a is a is a is a material that is super resistant, and uh, it's like carbon. Um, it's super resistant, super light. So it means that it's going to be uh, used massively in space. And uh, funny enough, in order to advertise it, they asked a guy from Skidmore. Uh, so for some, uh, to, to, to design a spaceship. And, and I had a lot of fun. Actually, I did these images, this one, uh, because they were really passionate. This is, this is what I'm missing from the, the good old days, is that in, in the past, people were really passionate about what they were doing. Now, sorry, people getting killed in the streets. No problem. Okay. No, it's OK. Uh, and uh, they were really passionate. And uh, the, 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 sometimes you still find people that are really, you know, into what they are doing. Now, mostly to gimmicks. I mean, they, they, they invented all sorts of new forms of gimmicks. Uh, but before, it was really about architecture. These days, it's really everything but architecture, the problem. Uh, mostly gimmicks. So it was super nice to work on that because they actually they were really enjoying. And even when, you know, I'm... I'm 25, so it means that it's a, it's a long time that I'm doing images. But uh, still, these days, when someone is, is liking your work, it's enjoyable. When someone is saying, damn, this is much better than what we had in our mind, this can make you super happy. And really, again, I'm 25, so I know a bit what I'm talking about. Eric, oh, sure. I, have a, I have a quick question, because you just mentioned the NDAs. How are you guys dealing with then showing work if everybody is... You know, did. yeah. How how are you getting new clients then? Because I see this in other industries as well. Everything is under an NDA. Some clients you can't even put their your their name on your website or anything. Um, how are you How are you dealing with that? Uh, we go in the subway with uh, you know flyers and we, we show them. <laughs> with, I love so it. We hope that one of them will be an architect and will hire us. I mean, this is uh... okay. I don't know. This is part of a, of a completely idiotic uh, thing. For example, I signed an NDA, but I know, like, not that I want to know it, but I know every other competitors in the, that are doing this. So it's on top of being stupid, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid for the business, too, because how are you supposed to then 
I don't you know, know work up from there. How is the industry or the craft supposed to go further and develop? Yeah, we are going to do images for the metaverse. I mean, nobody is annoying us with this. <laughs> Are you, yeah. are you? Do you have time to to work also on the metaverse and stuff oh, like yeah, that? I invented it for slots. Um, <laughs> no, yes, actually, I mean, apart again from the from the from the stupid gimmicks that are around it, uh, they, they, there is two options. Uh, it can be extra. Yeah, well, this is what you're going to build in a metaverse. Your satanistic church or something like that. No, I hope that the Church of Satan will buy it for real. I mean, it's a real religion in the US. Well, oh yeah, a broke religion because they are not super well organized. But uh, wait, the Church of Satan, or are you talking about Scientology? Now? Satan, yeah. <laughs> okay, but it's it's a huge building. I mean, it, it needs it will require a lot of money, and the cantilever is quite expensive as well. Although it's doable, mm -hmm. right? I, I had an engineer work on it to see if it was possible, and it is possible. Although the beam, the beam will be kind of <laughs> kind of thick. And yeah. are you, yeah, are no, you okay. looking? Yep. Are you looking into the NFT things too, or that's not your thing? I, I find it to be incredibly interesting. I'm just waiting until you know the the the, the tide is done and uh, and you can look at it with the, an eye that is actually uh, the the technology is super interesting. The mm. the arts can be discussed, but it's that's art. So. I mean, what is underlying the NFT is probably something that will stay. Most of the artists will go, a few, a few will stay, and it will just recreate the system that we were having before, only with a new, you know, a, a different technological approach. Uh, what is interesting is the the fact that you 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 can possess something uh, numerically. The problem of uh, numerically means that if you if you Pull the plug, you you have nothing. Hmm. I think I think it's still to be completely like fully discovered what is the use of NFTs um, because um, I've been inviting a couple of people that know more about it and um, I think we're just like this thing with the images and art is just the first thing the first kind of use that they can. Um, that they can do it's the easiest thing also it's the most um, lucrative for artists because it's the first time that for example um, people like you or people like um, people that do digital art can make it more unique instead of like um, it was just a jpeg that uh it's all the same now. Also, it can be also, it, it, the thing is that for the moment, it's 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 not. It, it will start being interesting when it will be full 3D. When it will be when you will be able to embed it from from one thing to another. Uh, for the moment, it's just the infancy of it. So I, I'm not being to be too critical about it because you can see the possibility that it will be the model for buying stuff in five years. Okay, everything you will buy from a song to uh, to, to to I don't know a, a magazine will be in the in in the in the NFT sort. Okay, so the the the, the arts was it's funny because I, I've discussed a lot with people doing NFTs, uh, but the original ones it's a bitnik thing. It was a way of exchanging art in a nice way. It became a business like one year ago. 
but originally it was never planned like that. It was not the, 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 the idea was not to create. So like every bubble on the internet, it's being taken over by, uh, you know, a bunch of people. I mean, you discuss with, you will discuss with uh, Fabio. He knows, he knows the subject better than I do, but uh, it's, uh, it's being handled by a lot of people that want to, uh, you know, capitalize capitalize on it, which is okay. I mean, why not? Finally, if if you have a buyer, why not be a seller? I mean, this is this is an easy thing to understand. After mm -hmm. that, people want to buy something, want shit for an enormous amount of money. They're free to do it, right? But this is free country. So if you have a if you want to sell something and someone will buy it, finally, what's the problem? Uh, but on the long run, this is the technology is super interesting. And, and, and I will not criticize it just because I find that the, and also the, the art can be interesting, but it would be full 3D. And again, something that you will, you will be able to move from one point to another. Let's say you, you are in a, in a metaverse somehow, and you can move your things from to another one. It will be your possession, your online possessions. And I, I find it to be an interesting, uh, you know, thing to think about. But it's just at the beginning, I feel like, like, like you said, it's, this is one, I think this is just scratching the surface. And as soon as this hype, this, this hype cloud, which, which is already receding, at least in the United States, um, as soon as that sort of blows over, then the actual creative work with what can an NFT bring to business, to personal creativity, to creative in general, then it's, that's really going to bloom. But at the moment, it's sort of like the seed being watered and watered and watered. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have the technology first, then comes the politics. So for the moment, people are yeah. not, most of the people, I mean, it's easy, it's easy to hate something. <laughs> I mean, this is like really not complicated. You just say, wow, it's bullshit. Uh, for real, there is always a part that is bullshit, but it doesn't mean that it's not interesting. And I, I really do think that it's incredibly interesting. It's only for the moment being a bit like, you know, floating around. Uh, and, 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 and not necessarily well understood. I mean, the, even the idea of the metaverse is not really well understood. Well, actually, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. It is an experimental field. And uh, I don't know if you want to, to, to live your life, but I think that experimenting is kind of the essence of it. Uh, and if there is a way of experimenting again, I'm all for it. And on top of that, because it's also a simulation tool, I mean, you can enter all sort of simulation into it and see how people will react. Or the, I mean, it's an endless, endless possibilities apart from it being dumb and ugly for the moment. That that that's pretty much it. It's not because it's dumb and ugly that at some point would not be nice. Yeah. And one thing I was curious last year, uh, you did in September you, the first in betweenness festival. You did it in Portugal. Yeah. Uh, I think that was mainly organized by you guys from Luxingon, right? No, no, no. Or, no, 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 no. Uh, Jess that is working at the office and uh, um, Pedro to organize it because he, he was a bit lost at some point into the, the thing. But we, we, we are not at all involved into the, the organization and not Luxigan. But Jess from Luxigan did, yes. What, what, was the, what was this festival about? Because I saw a lot of people from the Arquis, uh going on this uh, festival, like was, um, speaking. It was, it was the first attempt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it was super nice. I mean, it was it, you know it, it's as always. There are the people that are doing it with passion. It doesn't matter if it does not succeed exactly the way it was. I mean, there, there was some problem with the organization and their problem with sound. I mean, nothing that I haven't seen before. But it was nice because people were nice and 
fundamentally, this is all what matters. I mean, this is why I, I avoid going to anything that becomes too uh, endorsed. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I see Autodesk in big letters on something, no, I don't go. I don't want to be the support for any, you know, software company or whatever, or at least a software company that I will actually enjoy. So I, I am not a big fan when it starts to be too, too sponsored. Mm -hmm. this, is, no, this, is, yeah. this is just because I, I don't want it. And on top of that, I don't want presence. I don't want the, you know, I don't want to be liked by people I don't really like. So it's kind of like the freshness of it sort of goes away it's over capitalized or oversold or however you want to call it you something know what, like that you know, you know what's going to happen when a, when an event is being uh, is being sponsor sponsored it means that you 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 lost a bit of your freedom of speech and uh, yeah. i want my freedom of speech i want yeah it. it's like over it's I like over engineered it. yeah, yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah. no you have to be polite you have to, i mean you 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 uh, it's not a question of uh, of uh, actually being polite. It's a question of what, what can we talk about? I mean, if I don't want to advertise things, I'm not an advertiser, I'm not even interested into it. I mean, you, you, you see my Instagram, I have a thousand people. Uh, I'm not at all interested into having 2000 people. Uh, I just use it as a notebook. But if I was having people, I would start worrying about what I'm posting. And I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, post the things I want to post. I want to say the things I want to say. Uh, not that it's always very interesting, but at least I have that. So what was nice with the with the the the, the Coimbra experience is that it was uh, it was not massively sponsored. So and it was it was coming from the coming from the heart, which I think is super important. No, of course, and also um, this is also one of the reasons why uh, we started something alternative here because when you go on like the main websites like Arc Daily, Design Boom, stuff like this, you see all these sponsors and product placement and there is nothing other than just the images of, of the different works and nothing behind it. And it's always very nice to get in touch with the people behind the work they do instead of just uh, purely watching some uh, images and people exactly. make money out of your your content for. But the truth is that it's also yeah. because it's difficult to to earn your life. I mean, I understand the the, the point of the sponsor. And it's, uh, I'm I'm not stupid and uh, or too idealist. But this is where the NFT could be interesting because again, for example, your podcast could be NFT uh, in a way. So it means that only the people who like it would like it will buy it in a way. Okay, I'm not talking about NFTing it like straight. But the methodology to, to, to actually uh, sell it is going to change, which means that at some point we will need a, a lot less sponsor because why the hell do we have to go to a sponsor thing to actually see events? I see it from music. The, the, mm -hmm. when, I was, when I was younger, musical instruments was costing a fortune and recording studios were costing a fortune, okay? These days you can hear excellent music that is done with, I don't know, a thousand euros of softwares and a computer. Okay, so it means that music has changed entirely, and it means as well that I don't have to have a, you know, a, a, a major uh, to to deliver music. I can find that myself on the on the internet. Now the problem is that the people that are doing music are not earning their lives because there is no economy that is you know built around them. But the NFT will bring that. There will be an economy built around the smallest of the smallest uh, uh, um, entity. 
Uh, and this is where it's super interesting because it's skipping literally the ugliest part of capitalism, which is why the hell is there someone that will choose what I like and what I don't like? Well, yes, that and the fact that always the big fish get the reach or, or the, the, um, the opportunity to sell more, etc. I agree with you. I think this is an era of the micro collective or the niche or the super niche. And I think that there's the possibility that not only the how you call it, the mainstream is going to be popular and the big brands or the big companies, but um, really that there's going to be like all these bubbles that can cross connect and, and create new things and overlap or not at all. Um, but from a sponsoring perspective, I think, I think that that's something that's just developed over the last 50 years. Somebody saw the opportunity and then it sort of was like a small, a small person or, or a company doesn't have the money. We'll get a sponsor on board. They'll shoot money in and bam, we, we can go big. And I think that that's just been done way, way too much. I agree with you there. It's, I mean, like Yogi said, that's we talked about it for a long time for for TCI, and for us it was always like, well, are we going to be independent then still? And that goes into what you had said before. It's like, do I have to censor myself? And that independent thing, I think that that's something in the future and the future like tomorrow and the next years. A lot of a lot of creatives also and a lot of businesses are going to have to ask themselves because it is becoming more important and more valuable to be independent. And I think that's something in the last years that hasn't been the case that much at all. I agree entirely. On top of that, I mean, there is not a small niche when you think about the size of the internet. Yes, totally. I agree. Yeah. I mean, if there, if there are people that are, I don't know, uh, revering cucumbers. I mean, there are probably a million of them, and a million of them is like a lot of people. So, you know, it's 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 uh, it's just that we are in some sort of a abnormal moment for the moment where we we mm -hmm. we just we just let go a little bit on our privacy and or how much we worth ourselves. We just gave up on it. I mean, we 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 gave up on the idea that we can change things if we want. A bit like a lot of people that gave up on voting or or or, or gave up on complaining about software. I don't see any more people complaining about it. They, 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 they complain online, but sending an email to say, hey, listen, I paid for that stuff. And it's not working. I don't see any more doing it. Most people are saying, bah, big companies. I mean, why would I do it? I said, you, you, you have to do it. This is, this is the whole point. So they, 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 there will be a, a, a balance of power at some point. This is really something that I believe is going to happen. And this is because of the technology. That's why you cannot say, Oh God, it's dumb because it's not dumb if you see how accurate it can be into addressing problems that we are having. Yeah. No, but we we about the things you said with the sponsors and stuff. People get have to get used to um, this new way that's more decentralized because we can see it also now with the um, situation on um, TV, for example. You don't get the news from TV because they are all sponsored by different companies that have different interests or by different, they influenced by politicians. But in the meanwhile, if you go and like, you have to research, of course, but there are um, certain channels about news and, and that are legit and they're paid by their viewers, right? Uh, so they have whether Patreon or whether NFT or something. And um, yeah, the mentality has to be that you have to pay for the service you're using instead of, paying for like everything that's free it's paid in some different way which you don't know 
course. That's slowly coming, though. A lot of people aren't aware of it. And I think that that mindset click is slowly being created. But um... it will come. I mean, my, my, my son was 16, which means that I had my son when I was nine. Um... <laughs> youngest person in the room, Aaron, I'm tired. <laughs> you already understood it. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're just a generation, you know, well, your generation probably understood it a bit better than, 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 the, than the older older one. Me, I'm in technology for a long time, so it means I have this little advantage of not being entirely off the, off the grid. Uh, but it, it's going to be very natural for them to, to they, they see the trick. I mean, they just, they understand the trick super well. They know when they are being used. They know when they are not being used. I mean, this is, but what is annoying is that it deploys a system of stupidity. And it's, it's a bit what is happening with, uh, I enjoy very much that you are throwing Instagram, but uh, the, the, the system of stupidity is also into that. The Instagram, Facebook, uh, well, not Facebook, it doesn't exist anymore, but uh, TikTok, <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, it's a system of stupidity that will unfortunately do the job that before major companies were doing. So it means that basically you will like what it tell you is likable. And this again is is a problem. That's why every time there is a technology that is interesting, like the blockchain uh, or the NFT, that is not being handled because it's it's impossible to get the grip out of it. Uh, then there is a form of freedom into it. Mm. You mean the algorithm? Um, yeah. that's what you're referring to. Yeah. They already, in a way, they already did it in the transaction. You know, in the transaction moments, uh, the gas fee or the things like that. I mean, don't worry. I mean, uh, capitalism being what it is, and I insist, I'm capitalist, mm -hmm. huh? so I'm, I'm, I have nothing against it. By the way, capitalism is not a philosophy. Huh? Capitalism is the idea that you have to make money, whatever. And okay? you have so to, but that brings. That brings again like the um, the advancement of technology and advancement of a business. So, for example, if it was communism, you wouldn't have any incentive to be better than the others because it's sort of like self not it's not self regulated. It's already capped, so to say. Mm -hmm. So well, we know that it also, doesn't work. So also, it's in your case. Like if if Luxigon, uh, if you were lazy, Luxigon wouldn't be so like successful with this different style and specific style that you have researched and uh i don't know you yeah. would be having 10 10 for example 10 clients because it's uh, by by low or something and then you would do whatever you would oh, do I know, I know. oh but there would be ndas there would be ndas <laughs> Everything would be in the end. You will just disappear. You would just disappear, like in China. Yeah, exactly. You get no, a number. You know, I've been I've been to Russia, well, USSR when I was uh, when I was sixteen. Uh, I remember we 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 went to a restaurant and we said, "Can we eat?" And th the restaurant was empty, empty, empty. Like there was not a single person. And the guy looked at us and said, "It's full." And we said, "But but." It's empty. He said, yes, but I'm paid the same, empty or full. So, so that, that kind of, I think, says it all. Yeah, yeah my, father, my father said to me something very interesting. He said before, during the communism, you, you wouldn't go um, to buy from the shop what you need. You go to buy what they have. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the, the, there is this and that. And it didn't change. So 
again, not saying not to compare systems uh, entirely because all, all systems are faulty. I mean, the, the, the truth is always in the middle. Okay, that that is a, a general idea. Sometimes yes. more like 25, 75, uh, but there is always a bit of truth even in the craziest uh, in the craziest thing. Uh, it's actually being moderate that is difficult. I, I'm honestly, I'm moderate. I'm trying to never go too far because if I'm sure about what I'm saying, it's probable that I'm, I'm wrong. No, definitely. But you also seem to be someone that uh, read a lot. Also, the last time we talked, you mentioned uh, different books uh, that are not related to to um, creativity or art uh, directly. Um, by the way, how is going with the with the? You were teaching in the U.S. Are you still managing to do that or? I did it last year because it was, uh, yeah, the problem is that it's, it's super difficult. It's still a bit complicated to travel. So it means that I did it last year online. Uh, and generally I do it, you know, either in fall or in, or in uh, spring because there's two semesters. I teach a semester per year. Uh, funny enough, they call it spring, but for real, it's winter. Uh, and uh, so I did it last year online. It was super, finally, it worked super well. Uh, doing uh, It was exhausting, even more than going there every week. Uh, and this year, because there was, nobody was really knowing, will there be planes, will there be no planes, uh, how much are they going to cost? Because this, this is also something, a lot of the low-cost company that I was taking uh, collapsed during the, 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 the pandemic. Uh, so I, I think this year is off, but I'm possibly doing it this fall again. That's so I summer. don't know if it will be online or if it will be flying there. I still don't know. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, I know you're very busy and you are going to do a competition. I want you to have some time to sleep too. <laughs> not to not to collapse. I know you're 25, but and you can handle it. But uh, still, um, <laughs> it's not so healthy in the long term. From when you get a little older, um, 26. Let's, let's, <laughs> uh, let's end up as as always on a positive note. And uh, if you want, you can share some uh, as as we always do some uh, uh, books, movies, music. Uh, that uh, you like con to consume when you need to get some creative pump up, or in general, you need a, a pump up. Okay, so the the God, um, they, there is a lot. Uh, you know that there is a lot. So the 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 the, the, the I think that the I don't know if you've seen the Corey Peter, the the the, the Paul Thomas and Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite movie director. Is the one that did the master the. And the last movie from Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, is absolutely amazing. Like, really, it's <laughs> my favorite movie. It's a long time I haven't seen a movie that's so well written, so well, you know, acted and, and, and funny and weird at the same time. So I would say that this is the, if there is one movie that you should see, this, this is the one. Now, if you want to freak out a little bit, you can download the four hours interview uh, of uh, Vladimir Putin uh, by Oliver Stone. <laughs> Oh, by Oliver Stone. Yeah. Okay. Oliver Stone did did uh, I, I I I didn't know about that since like six months ago. And six months ago, someone talked talked to me about it, and I watched it. And I have to say that it is. I, I was kind of very worried because it is fascinating. Uh, you know, fascination is something that is very very special as a as a as a way of thinking, as a way of being. Fascination means that you can watch horrible things 
but you cannot stop watching them. Okay, so fascination is something that is a very, very, very complicated feeling or a very, very complicated way of being. When you are fascinated, it means that you are hypnotized by something. And these four hours are literally fascinating because you kind of like Putin. <laughs> and, it's not like, and it's not like he's not, it's not like Oliver scary. asking the questions, you know, he's asking the questions. But it's so well done that you become fascinated. And this is a super dangerous thing. So uh, uh, the reason mm. why I'm saying it is because you can tie it to architectural images or whatever images, by the way, is that you can do terrible things, but they are fascinating. And Putin in these interviews is fascinating. He's a fascinating character. He's a motherfucker from hell, but he's so good that you become fascinating. It's a bit like what people were saying about Hitler. You know, it's like, he's a nice guy. You know, he's nice with dogs and girls. And he's, you know, he's... Uh, is kids on the on the forehead, you know, and you say, yeah, that's creepy. but for real, it's a serial killer, you see. So I would <laughs> recommend watching it just because it creates a very ambiguous moment that is probably one of the most necessary in heart is ambiguity and fascination. Or can you be fascinated by something evil? It's really something that you have to watch. But independently from that. Mm. Uh, and there, there are some, there are some rightish question into the, into the lot. So, it's a bit less funny than Licorice Pizza, but uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> books, so many, so they, I'm reading the worst books ever, the worst ever book on Daft Punk. Uh, every sentence, three words, and there's uh, an overuse of, you know, three points. Like it was, oh, very, yeah, it was very, yeah, three points. So it's the most terrible book I ever read. Funny enough, it's written big letters, pages are enormous, and I cannot finish it. Normally I can read like, you know, easily a book per day. Mm -hmm. But here I'm trying my best. It's like 20 pages in the, you know, written in 18 font, 18, nothing I can do about it. So don't read it, but not a lot of risk that you will. Uh, music, yeah. <laughs> What means? <laughs> no time for music. Uh, no, of course I have time for this. This is my favorite thing. I mean, the, uh, I'm a failed musician. Uh, I'm not a, actually not a successful image maker. I'm a failed musician. I would define myself. That's what you can tell in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm earning money with uh, with images. I'm spending it in music. Uh, there is even flat Eric. You can see it there. You know, Monsieur Wazo. So listen to the. Oh, oh, well, well. Yeah. This is a this is a nice uh, this is a nice uh, uh, a nice album. Uh, Mister Wazo and Frade, Italian rapper. So this is, this is French and Italian <laughs> together doing the best sound possible. Georgi, you have to listen to that because yeah, you know. Oh, it's kicking over. Well, so we it got it. In a good mood. We we will for sure. Well then, um, it's it sounded great, Eric. Thank you very much for your time. God, it's uh, I'm I'm already feeling the punk leaving my my body by <laughs> taking off my uh, dark glasses. I can see again. Hey, you see uh, You're welcome back on the thousand. Thank you very much. Hey, it was super nice. Huh? Uh, keep on the good job. I will keep listening to you uh, while I'm working. Sure, and we are um, humbled. <laughs> we we will hope to see you in Paris soon. Yeah, but yes. come, you you just uh, just uh, just uh, drop me a line, and we we uh, we go and we. Uh...
And we will. Yeah, yeah. Really, do not hesitate. Huh? I mean, we know each other. Oh, we won't. <laughs> and, uh, don't worry. We're not shy. Okay. No. Thank okay. you, Eric. Have a, nice, uh, have a super nice uh, afternoon. I will, I will stop my camera. Can I stay here but not watch? No. Oh, is it working now? If I want to you, listen to the podcast, you, uh, I'm not a guest you, you can go on YouTube. It's live. Okay. What is YouTube? <laughs> it's a big website from Google. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> They're very data insensitive. Ah, okay, good. That's exactly what I want. Okay, I'll go on YouTube then. Okay. okay. Bye, Have Eric. A good one. Nice Bye. afternoon, guys. Thank you very much for everything. Good luck on the competition. See you in a thousand. See yes. you. <laughs> so next is Ollie. Uh, I want just to remind to the people that are listening that um, they can find in the description the link to the Discord where we're going to have a 45 minutes break to interconnect with each other. And um, we can just connect more directly one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, Oli, it's already waiting. So uh, welcome Oliver Thomas from in. the Architect Network and uh, Big London. Hello, Oli. How are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey. Good. How are you doing? I'm, so, I'm disappointed the glasses have come off because I was just getting ready to to rock. Oh, <laughs> we can go <laughs> on. Okay. Okay. Fine. If we're gonna do this, I'm gonna put them back on too. Oh, we're all going with the. Yeah. Where did that, where did that come from? Was Eric, that... we're Eric. doing this Eric style. It's okay. I'll I'll start to yeah lose my sight. <laughs> no, I don't see my mouse. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> We need practice like Eric. He, he has to give us sort of like the, or he feels his mouse, you know, he feels yeah. where it is on the screen. It's <laughs> like then, the force. Anyway, thanks, for, thanks for the invite and uh, congratulations on Podcast 100. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a long journey. Um, yeah. And you are, you're one of our recurring guests because on, along this journey, we managed to, to, to connect uh more with some people and be more like also cooperative you have started your own platform podcast um that's something in between uh move from new york to london so it's um a lot uh, a lot happened well, in the last uh, um i'm gonna i'm gonna show the the archi architect network um the current uh state of the art that also now has a has a home an online home we, have a, we have a website and, <laughs> and you did also the wow. first you did the first two classes um i i took part of the first the one on one on one yeah. one and unfortunately on 102 i had to go to say um, bye to a friend that was moving away from frankfurt um but um i'll 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 have to check it up um on on here because people yeah. can access it here so how was how was preparing this such you you guys did like two hour two days in a row for our stream uh yeah. how does it work when you prepare something like that because you are three you have Gudiel and uh faisal so yeah. this um trilogy of people so to say who does what um and how does it work the whole uh, architect network uh team in the backstage yeah so uh yeah i guess this was the big thing since we last uh since we last talked right we we launched 
I mean, for Architect Network, we we have three. We've always had three kind of main. I don't know what channels to get content out there. Right, the podcast, uh, which we started on Clubhouse, YouTube. We started about I don't know six months ago now, and then the final one was kind of creating our own website where we could put long format courses. And we were going to put long format courses on YouTube, but it's a bit tricky because. YouTube is very distracting, right? With all the videos, like mm-hmm. <laughs> suggesting you to click on other stuff. It's not a great place for like super long courses. And plus we're also kind of monetizing the courses a little bit. So we launched our first course, this one, the Grasshopper Masterclass. It was, it's a three part 101, 102, 103 series. And it takes you through the absolute basic foundations of how to use Grasshopper, like literally from opening it to trying to understand what lists are, what data trees are, and all that kind of stuff. So this is a course that actually Guillaume and I have developed inside of Big, and we kind of, you know, have taught it a number of times for Bigsters. And we started, we tweaked it a bit for uh, for this audience. Uh, but, you know, it was, a, it was a good course for us to do because Guillaume and I have been teaching it together a few times already. Uh, so the course was kind of, you know, we were tweaking and, and curating it for this particular audience. And uh, Faisal was really kind of helping out with all the background stuff, managing, you know, the Discord and all the questions. So what happened with it was we, we launched it, we released the course, and there was this great reaction to it. We, we had, uh, in the end, we had thirteen to 1,400 people sign up from like 80 cool. different countries. I think that was the coolest thing was like the number of countries like the people are from was, was incredible because that was a big goal of ours was to like reach as many people as possible. That and, is so cool. Yeah, and, and that that's what we were really excited about. And um, we quickly realized we couldn't do it on Zoom anymore and like Zoom got too expensive. Like, you know, it gets more and more expensive mm-hmm. the more you need to get in. Even though we, you know, 1300 people will not show up on the day but uh so then we ended up going down youtube the youtube route exactly like what you guys are doing now using Streamyard and all that kind of stuff and uh we were a little bit worried like will people actually turn up on youtube and hang around because like like you know now if there's people watching this on youtube there's all these like other videos that are like tempting you over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cluttered. It's like not very yeah. clean and focused. You really have to. Yeah. But I think yeah. you have a you have a big advantage that you said okay, um, like your CV speaks for itself because you work at the Big, which is one of the world leading uh, offices in field of parametric architecture, computational design. And so if you say okay, I'm offering you eight hours class live. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, are taking the opportunity. Um, do you know yeah. from where, from which part of the world were the most of the people, or was it equally distributed? Um, actually, I think it was a mix between. There was a big crowd from Nigeria because Faisal mm. is, is was is from Nigeria and he was based in Nigeria, and he got it out to a lot of universities there. Uh, the US was a big one, the UK. In fact, I'm actually just looking at it now on my other screen. So currently, let me see. Let me see what we're looking at. Yeah, we have a big uh, United States. Italy was a good, was a big one. I don't know. That kind of came out of 
nowhere. Uh, UAE, there was quite a, quite a few people from the UAE. Um, yeah, US, UK, UAE, Nigeria, Italy. It was, it was a real mix, to be honest with you. Um, and then there's just like a list of of all these different, like two to three people from all these different countries around the world. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the backgrounds as I'm talking to you guys to see uh, <laughs> where people were coming from. <laughs> but I think that's the coolest feeling if you put so much work into it and you decide to tweak it and curate it and, and change it up a bit and then go live, which is also time that you're sitting in front of a computer just talking to yourself, basically, um, or to one or two other people that then people show up. I think that's the biggest yeah, awesome and, feeling. And we had, uh, we had over... A hundred people. We we never had less than a hundred people live, and we got up to about two fifty uh, at one point. Uh, which you know, and also each day at the at initially we planned to, you know, it was like a two to three hour day, and we had the ability for people to comment on YouTube or or on Discord. And honestly, we thought people might be a little bit like uh, hesitant to ask questions and stuff like that. But it, we were completely blown away that like people were asking a ton of questions, uh, and were like following along and paying attention. Therefore, we had about an hour or an hour and a half of questions that just like kept coming. So, <laughs> hence why the first day was like four and a half hours. The second day was four hours, and then yeah, as you can see on the screen, we we also released mm -hmm. the bonus class of one hundred three, where we kind of put everything together in uh, rebuilding. Big Serpentine Pavilion. So that was a big one that we uh, that we kind of. Uh, this was our first masterclass, and and you know we it was it was a great great experience, and it went really well. Learned a lot about like you know hosting this stuff and mm. setting up this website. You know, it takes a bit of time to get it right. Um, you know, the marketing and and also after the event is like. There's still a, it's not like you're done with the event and then you're like, right, I'm off on holiday. <laughs> you have to like edit all the videos and get out there and continue marketing. So now if people want to do the course, you can access the 101 is free. So you get four hours of introductory content completely for free at the moment. And 102 and 103 you can access for uh, just under 20 pounds and you can access it forever. So yeah, this, this was our first course and we were kind of, really excited to get uh to get the courses i think if you hit uh the atn logo uh georgie at the top it should i want to do this live on youtube check that the website is actually working boom because that took us a long time to fix right that like, <laughs> there was an issue with the website like once you were into the courses you could never escape <laughs> so, uh who who is yeah. uh, who is doing what like uh, are you also involved into because you guys are three people so it's um like um how do you distribute the task is uh, somebody more uh, like as you said Pfizer also during the live was more curating the chat and the questions um is there someone that's more for example on the uh, website social media so how do you yeah. subdivide, subdivide the tasks that are behind the scenes a lot. Of, I mean, at the moment, the website and social media uh, I, I run, and and the other guys kind of add into it for specific kind of features. You know, for example, Pfizer right now is creating these little 
snippets from our podcasts, right? So we post these little 60 second snippets and things like that. A lot of it is also like who's available and who's who's got time because we're all juggling life <laughs> and work. Yeah. yeah, and work. But um, yeah, I mean, the YouTube is, is something that I, um, you know, curate and do most of the videos. Guillaume's, I think, is going to have a feature on it called Guillaume's Geometry Gym, where he will like deconstruct, Ooh, that's cool. deconstruct uh, you know, projects and stuff like that. So that would be really great. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a mix. Um, it's kind of uh, who's available, who's got the energy and time. Um, but yeah, I think since we've done this first course, we've been really, you know, the courses was the thing we really wanted to get onto. Also, the YouTube was growing as well. We finally got monetized. We earned our first one pound from YouTube. Just <laughs> ten years of experience, like ten years of creating content, <laughs> you know, dollars of investment. But we earned one pound from YouTube. But we congratulate you. We know how hard that is, right, Georgi? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> did. Uh, we did several. I think five euros on pay. No, more than five euros on Patreon. So uh... <laughs> yeah. So you got to you got to start somewhere, and, and we're starting yeah. to sell sell the courses a bit. And it's not it's not a huge amount, but it's like just helping us to get the next round of courses going. So now we're. Yeah, I've always been excited to do the courses and we really want to like, um, you know, give people the foundations for architecture. So we're going to be doing uh, Revit, Rhino Inside, um, Enscape and another Grasshopper to to come this year. So stay tuned. Quite a lot in the pipeline. Yeah, We were yeah. talking about this um, non-disclosure agreements with Eric before. Uh, in the beginning of the conversation, he said he has problem to uh, with sharing uh, work from clients that don't want to. Uh, how it's with you and uh, Big? Because of course you work for Big, where I guess there are a lot of NDAs too. Um, yeah, yeah. Are they just um, they didn't need to authorize you somehow, or are they just happy that some yeah, knowledge like, is spread? It's like any anything that you use, you know. Um, all you'll see all the projects that we use are all pro, pro, public projects, right? Like any architecture firm, what you what you see from the outside is always like uh, you know I don't know like a third of what's actually going on, or e even not even that. Like it's um, you know there's so many cool projects I love to kind of do tutorials on and you know deconstruct, but you can't if it's not public. So hence why a lot of the products that you see us use are already public. And yeah, we just run it by the comms team at Big and and uh, they either tell us yes or no, we can use it really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you can also create some extra project that are your own. Yeah, yeah. We're starting to create this. So the thing is, I, I you know, some people go down the route of creating projects to teach people. We're starting to do like we create sim like a, a quick version of a real world product but actually I, i'd rather use real world projects because sometimes you know like um it depends what you're teaching if you're teaching like a, a sketchy thing like you know just grasshopper or how to use rhino and quickly sketch things you can use a very concept level project but to get into like the real details of using Revit, for example, or Rhino inside and that comes from the, you know, 
issues that you have to solve because you're actually resolving a real world project. So I, we want to use real world projects. If I'm just using, it's also like, you know, then I'm like have a little, you know, I have to come up with ideas for buildings that are interesting at the same time as teaching them. So you end up like producing projects just for the sake of teaching. But so using real world ones is much more applicable because they come with the problems that real world products come with, right? When you create these little quick concept stuff, you can kind of avoid the problems by just skipping over them. <laughs> and, and and how yeah. do you guys, so you and Guillaume worked uh, together at uh, Big in the yeah. US. And um, how do you, did you, is it Faisal also from Big? And you guys were living three different countries from as far as i know how is the yeah. collaboration working do you have like also regular meeting where you discuss what is going to be done next or do you make some strategy together share to do yeah we're always chatting on uh actually we tried a few things we tried slack and we tried uh you know we we'll we'll jump onto google hangouts and stuff like that but what what's whatsapp group has really worked for us we're just always chatting we have a little uh atn whatsapp group um, so yeah, it's kind of nice having a, f you know, in different locations. So we're kind of like Europe, uh, currently we're Europe, uh, the U S and Africa, which is kind of nice, but we've actually had some people reach out that are interested in getting involved, which we're kind of thinking through how, how that works. Like maybe there's other people, you know, there's people from India that reached out and maybe we'll have like local ambassadors to help spread the word because, you know, getting ATN into universities is a big big thing that we want to try and do right we we want to try and affect the next generation of, of architects and um in fact georgie the the feature that you were just looking at the project programs feature is another one where we're like trying to unveil this the curtain behind you know the programs that practices actually use right so we have these these uh, six or seven categories, right, that we've broken technologies into, computation, modeling, BIM, all this kind of stuff. And then we've, we've been asking, uh, you know, companies what programs that you actually use on the projects. And what's interesting is, uh, even though we've, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we've, I think we've had 17, 18 submissions. It's not a lot, but there's some big names in there. And so you can see nearly 100% use Rhino, right? Um, nearly a, a ton of them use some form of computation of which that is Grasshopper. Uh, BIM is a bit more mixed, but, you know, Revit is the number one. Um, but yeah, I think it, it really shows mm -hmm. like what practices are, are really using. Uh, you'll see, you know, Maya and SketchUp are not, are not super popular or Cinema 4D. In fact, we haven't had a SketchUp one yet, which is surprising, but um, yeah, this is one where we're just trying to show young architects what programs people are actually using because you do, you never really know to be honest. But as you know, as people in the industry, you kind of do know what everyone's using, right? No, yeah, totally. And um, I like that you have this connection between academia and the real world, so that it's very, very applicable, and it's not something just um just theoretical it's I, I like that and you mentioned collaborations and uh, local ambassadors with um with also so to say universities what is your idea that somebody goes and presents architect network 
to the university and and then they can join online or what yeah. is the idea i don't we're still working the idea out but i think what was interesting with the grasshopper mass class was Faisal, for example, was on the ground. He was in Nigeria, and he, you know, he knows some. He knows people there. He has connections there. So, um, you know, we we got it to a few professors in the local universities, and then they pushed it towards the students to attend. So we we then had because he was there and had that connection, we then had a massive crowd from Nigeria, right? Which is which is amazing. So we're thinking, how does that, you know, how does that work in the future? And also working out what's the format for our courses. Like, we do like the idea of um, creating an opportunity for people to watch it live, uh, potentially for free. So we're talking to software companies about, you know, sponsoring uh, the videos, the live events to make them free. But then if you want to access the recordings and, and go after it, uh, watch it afterwards, then you go through a small subscription. And that way we can help, you know, get it out there. If, if you can't afford the subscription, you can go and attend the live. Uh, if you don't have time to attend the live, then you can access the video and support ATN in, in future ones. So we're kind of working out what the future of our courses will look like, working out how can we help and speed up the, you know, ATN getting into universities and helping as many young architects as uh, as we can um so yeah we don't know exactly details but for example like like Pfizer, you know if you if you bring people in maybe uh, you get like a discount for uh for your university or something like that or uh you get a you get a percentage of the sales used for uh you know we we give you like a the creative insider uh discount code and then you get a percentage of uh the people that buy the course using the code or, or something like that no i think something interesting is also that might be an opportunity for you or some of the other uh whether faisal or Gulen to maybe just uh if any a local university is um interested into it to bring you on for a live lecture and then have so sort of a um, continuous partnership where maybe the university pay a certain amount to you and then the students that want can access the class and uh, yeah. get some extra points or maybe it's an online class international it's um it's an interesting thing i can say we can be ambassadors for frankfurt because we literally live uh two minutes away from the university here <laughs> like uh it's more or less downstairs <laughs> yeah it's it's less than two minutes it's actually like i don't know <laughs> 200 meters <laughs> yeah, it's like one block away i, I yeah. studied there and I, I came to live one block away after i don't need to be so close so close are you, are you far from uh our, our frankfurt building the the dancing tower uh, no no that's like um not that that's far like, that's not that's that far away city center yeah yeah that's i mean that's downtown that's the uh more I mean, I can show what are you, it's called Omni Tower, uh, so that people can see what you're meaning. Yeah. This is the dancing, the dancing building. I, I say it's the most German project that a big could do because it's like just uh, in Germany, everything is squared. So they just took a square and then shake it a little bit in the middle. 
Yeah. Um, no, I, I wasn't. Um, it's actually I don't know the product too much, but uh, I think that it's uh, it's it's had a kind of a unique program. So I think the bit that shifts in the middle is residential, and yeah, the rest yeah. is commercial, which is quite a you know it's a great example of like how the program uh, is kind of driving this kind of playful approach, right? In the commercial side, it's quite you know straightforward on the on the residential side you want to create space outdoor space so uh you kind of yeah they have, the they have those open balconies there with um the, yeah. the, the, the flat it's right not, there. It's not a taking. typical it's not a typical typology to have a, like a residential part right in the middle of a town but you know it creates these kind of uh fun parameters and fun briefs create interesting uh Interesting projects. I don't know the icon for it off the top of my head. I think it's no, like a, uh, it's a bunch it's, of floors yeah. shifting. Oh, there yeah, you go. I, go up, left, left on the next on the next row, uh, the other way, other way above under construction because I think it's not completed yet. Oh, it theoretically. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, yeah you there you go. There you go. There it is. I think there you go. Yeah, it's ninety percent completed. But here yeah. in front of it, they're building like uh, four towers from UN Studio. So as soon oh, as yeah, the yeah. towers are completed, it's not going to be. But here is the program. Yeah, like that. Yeah. You have open space in the first floor. Then you have offices. Then yeah, it's really. I, I was inside because they organized the tour, and also. Uh, Kai Uwe Bergman was here in Frankfurt and he was also around and um, uh, yeah, there it's really funny because when you go into the flats, also all the pillars are <laughs> twisted. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's a fun building, actually. It's kind of it's fun. No, it's really nice. There are certain there are certain um, angles from which where you see it, it looks like really the building is <laughs> trying to do something <laughs> with the like dancing. Yeah. Yeah, or trying to squeeze out of the skyline. I sometimes have the impression yeah. it's trying to squeeze out and just like leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These are actual pictures, so this is not a rendering. This is how it looks like literally sense. right now. Uh, and here in front, when the towers come, you won't be able to see from this angle. But I don't think it's the most. Uh, there are other. This angle is what I meant. It's really funny because you see all these straight towers, and this one is doing like whoop. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I hope to you will have some opportunity to to come over to Frankfurt to yeah to to visit it yourself. Mm. There was talk of a conference, but I think in Hamburg, not Frankfurt, but uh, that's oh, okay. quite far away. Yeah, yeah it's and not, not that close. But... Not the closest thing. <laughs> but yeah, no. it's always now now the world of conferences and stuff are opening back up. I'm getting more, you know, invitations to talk in, in physical locations. In fact, we had I had my first conference in person uh a few weeks ago and and it was really nice to like see people and <laughs> be be uh interact with people and i think there's a big thirst for that right now because we've been online for so long so yeah. Uh, yeah i'm hoping we'll um i'll get a chance to travel a bit more with but uh, how did how was it traveling isn't that weird after so after like two and a half years to you have to get on a plane. Well, you have to get there on time. You have to yeah. pack. Yeah, in this, in this case, it was literally to Birmingham, so it wasn't that. Oh, far. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the most uh, exotic locations, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, on one hand, it seems it's it's really nice. On the other hand, you're like, this is literally taking up my whole day. And yeah. online, this is like an hour out of my day. I don't even have to put pants on because I can sit behind a, <laughs> a, a, a desk and, and a screen and hide behind it. But um, so, yeah, it has its pros and cons, right? It's time consuming. It's also like getting back to the office, right? You have to commute to the office and you're like, what? what am I doing commuting? Like, what is this commuting thing? It's so much time. Um, and sometimes yeah, you yeah. Really need to be in the office and, and some people come in and they're just on, you know, team calls all day because they're, I don't know, a, more of a coordination stage of a project. So um, yeah, like, like anything conferences or just working, it's balancing that mix between being physical and being virtual. Yeah. I was curious about um, something else also because I remember um, we talked first. It was, I mean, by now it's quite in the beginning of the podcast. It was the episode mm -hmm. 30. And since then you've started, um, you've started the Architect Network and all this stuff on the side. Uh, I mean, already before then you have seen you also on some online platforms where it was possible to, to learn something from you. Uh, how is has this activity online uh, somehow impacted your career? Although, I mean, you work for big, as we said, it's uh, already like, I don't know, you can shift between those 15, let's say 10, 15 companies that are leaders. Um, but is it like in this, for example, conferences or maybe also as a private contact for your inquiries for classes is yeah. it's impactful yeah. for you i think you can't underestimate the power of networking and a podcast is a is, <laughs> you're just networking with a ton of people listening to you right yeah <laughs> like georgie we've never you know we've never met and we've now talked a bunch of times i'm sure there's more collaboration down the line and things like that so conferences have always been my biggest recommendation for students um that's where i kind of found uh, this world of computation and bim and specialists and, and that kind of thing and by going to that a couple of conferences it just totally boosted my career in that direction and i think doing all this teaching online youtubing all that kind of stuff it's just yeah it it does, it does create, you know, new connections and then you collaborate with that person or just have a conversation with that person that opens up another conversation or a, another connection. So um, networking is, was always a tricky thing uh, before. It was more like, you know, I guess in the UK, it was kind of like pub based, right? You go, <laughs> you go and meet people in the pub and chat and stuff like that. But now we're, we're more and more digital. Um, you know, you, you, you know, people like we all three of us now, we have a digital relationship, but we've never met in reality. And that would be a bit strange a few years ago, even if just a few years ago, uh, it would be kind of strange, but, um, you know, that, that's a big part of why, uh, I was talking to Stephen and Oliver from show it better and upstairs. And, um, I think, you know, we, we thought by giving out a lot of content for free on YouTube, we thought we'd also hopefully get some great stuff back from the community. And I think that that is proving to be true. Like, you know, people reach out and 
you know, we're creating collaborations and connections and, and all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, for sure. It's like, it only, it benefits everything, right? Just take the podcast, for example, I, you know, my own network is expanding. I'm meeting more people, but I'm also learning, right? That's the whole point of having the podcast. Like you learn new things and then, uh, that feeds back into, uh, the other things I do, like, hey, there's this really cool program that came up on the podcast. When I get to work, I'm going to go and check that out. Could we use that in the office? And, and so it's all, it's all like super, super connected. And um, yeah, I think that's a big, big benefit. And I'm sure you guys have also uh, felt the same with the podcast, right? I'm sure you've, you've had a lot of connections and people and learned a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, there is, I mean, mainly we've learned a lot of stuff because hundreds episodes, um, I mean, not all, <laughs> not all of those are like, uh, different people, but most of them are different people, uh, from different levels of expertise and career. Uh, you, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised that we had the opportunity to talk to some, some, so many big names and also in the meanwhile, also We've learned a lot from other guests that we wouldn't have expected to learn so much from. Yeah. Um, and um, it's the great powerful thing is that um, you have a reason to reach out to someone, right? So if I were to reach out to Bjork Ingels and tell him, hi, how are you doing? He, would, he wouldn't have any interest to answer to me. But it's like a powerful tool also for for yourself and um, I suggest that a lot of people in our field start their own podcast because yeah. this is also how for example Joe Rogan and all the other comedians did the podcasts and they go on each other podcasts and they lift up the whole the whole field and I think it's important that more people start to to do stuff like that maybe we should start one where we watch the UFC and just uh, comment. <laughs> comment the design of the. <laughs> of yeah. The we should do, yeah, we just every week we go through the zine and look at. <laughs> no, we can do that. I, I wish there's always, audience for that. I yeah. always wanted to do the, the creative news. So I wanted to do like a live stream, um, but I need a co host. So if you want, we can do it like yeah. a, a chill thing. We stream it on both Architect Network and. Um, and uh, the Creative Insider, and we yeah. do like uh, Design, Arc Daily, Design Boom. We go through and see what is good and what is bad. <laughs> yeah, just this is where ideas come from from <laughs> things yeah, like yeah. this. <laughs> no, I'm totally up for it. But um, I think it's also cool. All the you, you mentioned the big names, but all the you know smaller independent or just expert professionals, then you get to know that people that yeah. you don't read about in the news, but you just sort of stumble over that you think something is cool and that you dive into their story. Those are the, the conversations that I've especially liked. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it, it, uh, like I said, even a few years ago, it might've been a bit, bit more odd, but uh, I think the pandemic has really boosted this whole podcast culture in, in the architecture world, at least, you know, those, those, even when you look at YouTube, there's not that many architecture YouTube channels, but, you know, I think there's a big, a lot of space for it. Um, you know, we've also learned from, from your podcast in that, like, 
we we still are an audio podcast, but I think seeing the difference of of like face to face video style podcast, I think it's a lot richer. Um, so yeah, one of the reasons why our podcast is a little bit behind. We've been on it's been on hold for a little while because we've been kind of finding new guests, thinking about how we're going to do it in the future. We're going to go audio, video, or something else. Um, so yeah, we're kind of and we're also really, you know, we're really excited by the courses. So we've been focusing on the courses a little bit. So, uh, yeah, our podcast will be back soon. No, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a listener. I'm a listener. Yeah, but I, I really liked what you've done with that. I think just going from audio to, you know, video, it's really engaging uh, just to see the faces of guests and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think you've, uh, you've inspired us to evolve ours as well that was a hard one in the making though too right Georgi? No, <laughs> that I'm took us always, a while <laughs> yeah i'm always uh, first of all I'm, it takes a while because i'm lazy and because also i i'm like we are two people and the problem is that uh also we have our own life we want to spend yes. time <laughs> by doing something else a part of working and being on a computer um but i also as i told you i like to share what i know about how it's done. I know that I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. But it takes so much time to collect maybe this stupid information that it's so simple, but if you don't know how it's how it's yeah. done. And I always I think as I said, for me it's important that people I don't know how it how is your personal experience what I don't like um with um architecture in general and design is that there is this a lot of people are snobby and they i don't know think a lot of themselves and i'm more like i like cooperation and helping each other because yeah. if there are more if there are more successful platforms maybe someday i will be able to be on your podcast and that will be helpful for me or for other people and um i think it's important to share this stuff with yeah, and I, I feel like there is a change in the culture of, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more collaboration between smaller young practices and uh, podcasting and all that kind of stuff. But you're right, like architecture is very, uh, there's, there's a bit of ego involved sometimes, a bit of like, uh, you know, you're stealing ideas from someone else and all this kind of stuff. So. Uh, but I feel that's changing. There's a big shift, especially with the online learning kind of side and podcasting and YouTubing. There's a lot more of a collaborative culture. Yeah, I think this helps also performing, um, right? Because um, you learn how to speak in public and yeah. it's important to communicate as a designer to when you show your designs or when you, you didn't have a great opportunity to go to... Um, talk on conferences and um, I think this activity might be might sound simple and stupid but it's important yeah. to to learn take how some, to speak take some practice eh? <laughs> we need to get a full setup like I gotta need to get the headphones and the, the hanging mic thing yeah. <laughs> that was also a process <laughs> yeah. we have a few boom arms here that we don't use anymore because I don't know why did you why did you replace those gorgi because they weren't that good, right? Um, yeah, no. They uh, nowadays actually they they are new models. You you should check. They are not hanging. 
they're like on the table like if you check the the joe rogan experience and they're better because like for example i have to move like this to see my screen sometimes i look like a boxer but they come from below and it's even better uh but yeah all this stuff as i said this sounds like stupid like microphones people say you can go on youtube and learn but you have to go on youtube for hours to understand all the options yeah yeah took us ages to just work out how to record the audio through clubhouse because uh, now it's now it's part of the app but like before it was i i had this i bought this like thing and you plug in your phone and then you plug it into your computer and then like a nightmare i could not get it to work (laughs) and then one of the other clubhouse guys was like yeah yeah you should use um i think it's called club club deck uh I remember I used to um, moderate events, um, or, or I still do, but I used I started many years ago. And the biggest thing was, okay, how are you actually going to screen grab the live event? Because it, it wasn't um, automatically in the systems nowadays with Zoom and everything. You have automatically record, and then you had to find the screen grab software, and then yeah. how are you, how does screen grab work even with video and everything? It was the same thing it was super complicated <laughs> and yeah, now it's yeah. just like click <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean Streamyards is another good one i got from uh oliver and steven and that's what we used to do the um the master class so you know it's all it's all super useful to share this no they they are like uh yeah there are some for example this is very easy for streaming like we're doing now with multiple people but uh, i figure out a new way to record a video podcast without zoom which works uh, way better so if you need uh, help with that uh, i'll i'll let you know because here because here they are um, you know Streamyard. also it's like the the free service has some limitation and then you have to to pay a subscription uh, but it, yeah i've been also thinking to make a little guide you know like uh, for people that want to start yeah. which is a very maybe we should make a podcasting course yeah as a very I, I was thinking to do like a architects a, a few niche. pages yeah like to keep it niche um with yeah. so, how, how to start from zero to to hero <laughs> yeah i feel like your your podcast is very very smooth and you've got it all nailed in so we could definitely learn from that we we focus on uh, uh, a lot of you know practice <laughs> learned by <laughs> machine learning style you know just repeating a lot of things <laughs> until you don't get it uh, the right way. What do you think we should do with the podcast as a as a listener then, Jordi? Would you want to see on it on YouTube, video, Clubhouse or as well or something? Else? I we do have uh, a, we do have another idea. We won't I won't uh, air it. But uh, there's also another idea, but maybe maybe you've seen it here and there. But what what idea? I didn't get the. It's top a... secret still. Yeah, it's top, top secret. secret. Okay. Top secret. It's, it's, it's a VIP. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that um, you can do it. Uh, whether um, so the the beauty of your podcast is that it's live, but yeah. the problem with your podcast is that it's on Clubhouse where people um cannot see you so i would do it rather live on on youtube or twitch or both whatever you prefer and if it's on, on youtube and you want to 
make it more like um, what is it called? Um, um, if you want to monetize it a little more, you can uh, just um, make it for the YouTube members of your channel to be able to ask questions, you know? Mm, yeah. um, or, or maybe, yeah, this is an idea. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way we'll probably go. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, Clubhouse seems to be done. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that hype when it began. <laughs> I think they were at the right place at the right time. And, and now now people can go out and go to the pub. They're like, yeah, I don't want to sit on Clubhouse anymore. Yeah, not only that, but now you have Twitter spaces and, and all this other stuff. And you have Discord where that's possible too. And you have LinkedIn is doing something yeah, a little yeah. similar as well. So they didn't scale it fast enough probably. Or maybe it was never a plan. You never know. Sometimes it's yeah. just about the first seed and then you continue. Sweet. So. Um, Oli, I thank you very much for taking time on a Sunday for us. Um, nice. And I know how pressured it is when <laughs> you have to work uh, a lot in the architectural field. Um, so you can, you can, we can uh, end up the conversation as usual. If you want to share something that you're looking forward uh, as an event, or if you have discovered some new book, podcast, something, movie. It's so hard to find stuff on Netflix uh, lately. So yeah, what am I watching? I mean, I did love, uh, I was a bit late to the game, but I did love uh, the movie Dune. Like, just, I love that, like, sci-fi. Which know. one? Oh, was that one good? Because I, I yeah. love Dune from the 80s. And yeah. did you see the series in the 90s or 2000s? I, no, I totally love that. But- but, I but the movie find, was good. I think it was like my, my little treat after I finished the course, the, the masterclass, I watched June. Um, oh, cool. That was quite good, quite cool. But um, yeah, no, otherwise I'll just say, yeah, for people to keep keep posted on Architect Network, we've got four courses coming this year, hopefully if everything works out. So Rhino Inside should be coming up next in the summer along with Revit. Then we got Enscape and then Grasshopper 2. So keep posted on architect network for future courses coming yeah sounds great and stick around also to the creative insider we we share a lot of this stuff because i think it's very valuable and i'm a student myself (laughs) yeah cool well thank you so much for having me and congrats on 100 thanks ollie have a great sunday cool see you later guys bye bye Okay. So okay, we're going with the with the schedule. Uh, by the way, in between, I have to say that um, we have one guest less uh, because um, Fabio Palvelli had a family issue. He texted me, so in that slot, we will anticipate um, Arturo Tedeschi, and then now we have another great guest, uh, and then we're gonna have a little break on Discord or. Um, yeah, where you can, will be able to chat with uh, each other or with, with us. So the link is in the description. And now I'm ready to add uh, Irgen. Hello, Irgen. How Hi, are guys. you? Hi, do you hear hey. me? Yeah. Yeah, welcome back. Well, nice to see you again. Nice to meet you, Desire. We have no- Same, likewise. <laughs> uh, yeah, congratulations nice on the 100th. 
uh, I think you you've done uh, great progress. Uh, I, th I think I was number thirteen in the beginning. I think it's very <laughs> early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But cool. Thanks. Good to see you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's actually a super sunny. Uh, summer Sunday here in Rotterdam. <laughs> yes, here as here well. <laughs> yeah, we here can too. we can also do glasses if you want. Uh, <laughs> ah, you're ready too. We, we... <laughs> oh, we're doing that now too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody loves these sunglasses. Well, I have, uh, I have to be I have to be honest. I'm really happy with my with my sunglasses. They look really like badass. <laughs> yeah. Now you yeah, can yeah. see the screen and mine, so you can see yourself yeah. theoretically. <laughs> But Georgi, can you see your mouse? Uh, I can manage, I hope. Yeah. The problem is when I go on the other screen. Um, but um, again, you, so it was nice. I, I wanted to have a mix of people. Uh, I, uh, by the way, I have to disclose that we don't have uh, girls today, not because I didn't invite them, but because whether they were busy or whether they they had to to do something else or they didn't answer or so on so there will be more live streams where we're gonna have uh more gender diversity <laughs> but uh, i wanted to have a diversity of fields and a diversity also of guests that maybe have been in the beginning and then uh we've been in touch but uh, not on the podcast and uh and also you were the 13 so that was almost two years ago and has yeah. been happening a lot since then. Uh, yeah, also, the you're, you're... A of a different place huh? since. Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least back then was a different place, and now it's uh, hopefully normal. And and you're a streamer yourself. You have your uh, Le Confusier live session of music. Yeah, that was my my lockdown uh, new hobby, uh, DJing. <laughs> And then I, I, I did have this um, uh, personal uh, YouTube channel since I was like a second year of study and I never did much with it. And then I thought like, yeah, well, this can be something like a creative hub. Uh, so we can put, we put there like <clears throat> anything from architecture lectures up to music uh, live streams. Um, so yeah, that's that's something like I I disco I discovered or I explored um, last year. But um, yeah, I, I'm not going commercial, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> well, how it's gonna go. It's good to have a hobby. Sometimes that's just a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Do exactly. you do you mix everything yourself, or what is it like? Is it your own music, or you mix music? Not yet. For for now, for now, it's uh, pure DJing. So it's purely mixing uh, songs. Of course, I do some uh, my research. Let's say which songs and uh, which genres. And yeah, it's still I'm still exploring it. Uh, so, but I think I think the next step is to try to write music. Why not? Um, anyway, I mean, I think like the the software like um, are not so different from architecture software. Like, I always liked, uh, you know, like when you go from Photoshop to Premiere, it's almost similar setup, uh, but instead of having images, you have videos. So there's the time parameter, of course, but for the rest, like the kind of commands, the way that you crop or you overlay or you layer things, it's kind of similar. 
and I did actually have uh, some. I do have some history with music. Like I was playing guitar since I was a teenager, and uh, I call myself like a failed guitarist. So maybe. <laughs> maybe you should get maybe. together with with Eric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let, you can create the... something together. <laughs> but but I but I realized when I started mixing, like uh, I realized, like yeah, I can actually count. Uh, I can. Uh, I have some basic uh, music. Um, let's say. Um, education that helps me do this, uh, do the DJing hobby, let's say. Uh, so I didn't feel like starting from completely scratch, but yeah. And uh, since we haven't seen uh, each other for for a long time, you you prepared. You wanted to share some of the progress uh, has been done on the um, with architects for Urbanity, your office based in Rotterdam. So, yeah, we, uh, we don't necessarily have to talk about projects. Eh? I also have some books here because I saw that uh, you guys like talking about books. <laughs> yes. And and, uh, and, and and I noticed that it was like uh, there was a mention about the movie Dune, and uh, it, it was funny because I also went to see it in the cinema. Um, and uh, actually, uh, like uh, I missed the last twenty minutes, so I didn't see the ending because I had to go and pick up my son, and oh. I realized. You know, it's one of these moments when you realize like how much your life changes after you become a parent. I mean, this is just a tiny thing, of course, but like, yeah, you can you cannot finish movies. That's one of the things that <laughs> apparently yes. results from having a small kid. But how did but, you uh, like Dune? I'm going to ask everybody now. <laughs> how did you like uh, yeah. it? I, in general, I'm, I'm re I really like um, sci-fi movies, so I think I've seen almost everything in the in that genre, <laughs> so I, I like the sci-fi aspect of it. Um, and um, but I, to be honest, personally, I I didn't see much. Uh, I didn't get particularly excited about some aspect of of its story. It was like for me, it was like a nice sci-fi mo movie that I didn't manage to finish. <laughs> mm -hmm. So maybe. Maybe also because I didn't see the finish, like uh, I didn't keep it in my head very coherent, like a story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. But what, what did you what find? Uh, I haven't seen thing? it yet because, to be honest, um, I heard it was not so good, and the trailers were—I don't know—they didn't catch me really. It sounded just like a lot of, you know, um, big names, and I didn't under—they didn't tease the story really. So for, I, I haven't watched it yet because of that. Um, but I did watch the series that was 10 or 15 years ago, and I watched the original in the 80s, and I love that. So, ah, so I'm kind of like, I'm a, yeah, I'm kind of like a Dune okay. fan. That's why if it's really bad, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> no, I don't think it was really bad. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and in terms of books, like um, I want to share some reading that I'm doing lately. Um, I think the this way the the countryside the report I I find this very interesting kind of uh, study because it it brings like a, a sort of update on the condition of um, not only the countryside but but the, the way that technology has kind of um, evolved uh, in in the in the realm of agriculture let's say and production and and yeah. I because. I, because I'm really interested in cities, uh, I think it's looking at the countryside kind of gives you a better understanding of the city uh, itself. 
And then um, I think yeah, I'm, I think the the biggest revelation of of the oh. new generation of uh, of uh, philosophers and writers, Harari. I think that's it's my new favorite, of course, Homo Deus. Very nice book. Um, also the, the the first book in the in the series, uh, Homo Sapiens. I think it's. But I find like in most book discussions nowadays, where I'm I'm usually talking about Harari. Uh, I think that's. I find it quite, um... and then there was uh, this one that I'm I'm reading on my on the beach. So there was not much beach time, so I didn't progress so much. But I think uh, this summer, this is uh, this is actually not a very, let's say, I, I find it a bit like a light history on, on cities. So this is a book by uh, Ben Wilson. I think it's a Dutch guy, uh, Metropolis. So it it basically kind of identifies the key kind of examples of cities uh, through, through from the first cities in Mesopotamia and then it goes up to the industrial cities, Manchester. And uh, I, I find it like really, really interesting in terms of um, like enriching a bit the, the base of understanding of how cities emerged and how do they work. Um, oh, uh, cool. and, yeah, and then, and then, yeah, there's a Greek Greek, uh, Greek philosopher I'm reading now. It's the um, it's called Asiliki. So it's he was like um, like a student of uh, Freud. Uh, sorry, of uh, Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche. So it's a bit like the small Greek Nietzsche. But uh, for me, at least in terms of philosophy, Nietzsche has been like um, one of the most uh, important influences. And um, yeah, I, I cannot say that I, I really completely understand still today like when i'm reading nietzsche or uh, kazantzakis i'm still a bit like uh connecting the the dots um, yeah but uh, that's what's interesting i think about philosophy is like it always keeps you um trying to connect dots and make sense out of the different sort of books you may read and uh, yeah it keeps you or it keeps me <clears throat> let's say uh, curious um, I, I don't know if you, what kind of books are you guys reading uh, lately? I was actually looking if I have it here, the Happy happy Cities, because you were mentioning Metropolis from the Canadian, but it's in the other room. Um, what was, Georgi, do you remember what the author's name was? But it's mostly about U.S. and Canadian cities. Yeah, it was um, something we got suggested on the podcast from uh, from some of the guests. I think it was the something like about the. It was also about the cities. Um, yeah, and about the car and how yeah. that whole Eric would probably like this, like this maybe yeah. how the car sort of like got politically integrated into the city and it was never planned that way and then the the whole in the U.S. Um, and in Canada, um, especially all all the suburbs that are disconnected through all the highways and, and there's really no city life in the traditional sense or no suburban inner city life. And yeah, it was a good book. I actually finished that a while ago. I was reading something about um, a book. It's very interesting. It's called Make Time. It's about how to, um, it's like a, a healthy approach to productivity let's say is basically a concept where you should focus on one highlight every day which you want to really dedicate time on and it doesn't have to be i don't know something to work 
but it can be also like i don't know spending time with your son or anything like that or spending time with a dear one instead of just uh like it's not this toxic productivity books and then uh, yeah. i've been reading now this book it's called mindset where it explains the difference between people that are um that are convinced of the fact that you are in a certain way and you cannot change and the people that are um, more open and they are believers that you can improve more or less every aspect of your of your of yourself of, of your life too so these were the two things that i've been reading lately yeah. mm-hmm. i forgot to mention also i was reading a lot of i don't have them here but I, I also had to read a lot of parenting books, uh, to be honest, like the last, since we talked last time in the last two years. <laughs> and uh, I have to say that they, they, they can be quite informative, like uh, not, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily on the, on how you raise your kid day to day, but like in terms of psychology, like uh, to understand a bit, like what does it mean if you don't give enough attention to your kid or if you mm. don't spend enough time how that channels through the years uh, psychologically and what impacts it can have uh, so for me it was like a revelation uh, reading those books i think that's one of the things that would freak me out the most it's like okay how am i actually going to raise a child like what philosophy and how do i make sure that the child doesn't get I don't know, praise too much and then get imposter syndrome or um, you obviously the normal things like you have to say no and you have to set boundaries, that's a given, but everything beyond that, how do you raise somebody to be well behaved and to be, you know, fair or, you know, to understand those concepts, that's, I don't know, (laughs) I have huge respect of that. (laughs) How, uh, last time we spoke, I think your son was just... uh baby and uh, now he's probably around three four years old almost three yeah 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 how how has um he changed your your priority on for example work and um private life is because architecture unfortunately it's uh project project based business where really you have sometimes these periods of time where you have to spend a lot of time on on the on the work has that made you some somehow more efficient um somehow i don't know um yeah you can say no easily maybe to some things how does that affect your professional life yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think uh, that's uh, a lot, uh, to be honest, a lot. Uh, but uh, it was also like before having the kid. It was also like I I think I was already changing. Like uh, I think I, uh, I I had somehow decided that I don't want the profession to to be uh, costful to to let's say to the personal life. Um, um, I mean. Uh, for me, like ambition and architecture are super important to the degree that uh, they provide the lifestyle that's exciting, that I like. Um, in the degree that they are enriching life, let's say, uh, and and to the degree that 
it's making life harder or less interesting uh, or problematic, then I think the whole thing becomes problematic. Of course, there are moments or periods where you have to put some more attention to work so that you see the gains, like in terms of, let's say, like an investment. So maybe uh, this year you can work more so that then in the next 10 years, that, that's something else. But I think I was I was ready to to and of course I wanted like I wanted to 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 put like um, family in a priority now let's say at least in this stage of my of my life so that maybe later uh, I could focus more on architecture while being let's say um, done with kids or with uh, mm -hmm. so in that sense yes um, it has. I think it has shifted a lot of uh, things around. Uh, and of course, you are right. I mean, when you have a kid, you feel the responsibility, you feel uh, the priorities change, of course. So it is much easier to say no now, very often. I think it comes, that, that's one of the things that changed a lot, to be honest, because before, yeah, I would, I would almost not allow myself to, to say no to opportunities or, and now you see like, yeah, I mean, Many things are even not worth the t your time. So, or at least you can comp you can compare them to the time that you spend with your child, and it ha something has to be really important to kind of compete with that in terms of time quality. But for the rest, I think it's uh, it's quite quite inspiring. Uh, I, I think when you when you relate to kids every day, uh, when you spend time with kids, you realize like how slow we are learning now things i think <laughs> they are learning so fast and they are so inventive <laughs> and sometimes it makes you makes me feel like a bit like uh yeah i wish if we would learn at that rate still in uh, later phases of our life i think we would be geniuses but there is so much you can there's so much space in our brains right to but yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, we clutter that space oftentimes with Netflix yeah. and Dune movies. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how has been uh, with the um, with the office? Uh, are you like in the meanwhile? We got to have on the podcast some other people that have uh, worked with you, collaborated with you somehow, um, and the first project that generated your office was this uh, Varna library. And then from there, the office started. And then there were uh, also other offices that started. Um, we had um, um, the Anagram Studio too. Uh, was very interesting to, to see how, like, it's like from one genesis, there were different evolutions. Um, how, how has been... Uh, the last few, the last two years, more almost, uh, in the business. Um, are you working more uh, on the Netherlands, or you're very international by yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, um, it was like I think like many things changed in the last uh, few years uh, in a in a faster rate than before, at least, or at least in terms of human resources. Or, uh, like many people, uh, because of the pandemic or because of other reasons, moved back to their countries or uh, they shifted their uh, priorities. Or so I think, in terms of people composition, there they have been the biggest changes in the last few years. So indeed, there are people that we worked very closely before that we are not working 
uh, anymore, and uh, there are new people that have joined. But I think uh, I, I think we we gain a lot from uh, from working remotely in these last uh, years. So uh, even for some projects, we were doing site supervision remotely, of course. And uh, in the beginning, that scared me a lot. Like, how can you follow the construction uh, while you cannot go there? But Eventually, we kind of established like a, a remote way to to communicate with the people on site and uh, get updates. And uh, um, so I think that that kind of helped us because we were always like uh, working in this kind of collaborative mode when people would join us for specific projects or competitions, and um, and th that was good, let's say. Uh, and there have been some people that we have been working more closely in the last years, like uh, Yonyan Silai from Studio UI, or my old friend and collaborator, Liana Sofiati. So we are trying to 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 keep, let's say, uh, we, these are experienced architects. So, um, but I think we, we, we shifted a bit less the attention on competitions because also because of the uh i mean to, through kind of maturing uh, we 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 knew it before but we see that at least all competitions they are not as sustainable or as, as sustaining kind mm -hmm. of um enterprise in terms of business plan not that we, we we thought otherwise before but i think we are now shifting more our attention towards projects that um can be more realizable let's say and um and that can bring some stability in terms of finances in the office. So less competitions, but then, of course, more quality approach to competitions. And um, yeah, so we have been uh, following three projects that are in construction in collaboration with the office city poster. Uh, there are these three projects in Albania. One of them is almost finished. And um, we've done a couple of competitions, one in a museum in Finland and uh, a, a daycare and school kind of complex in Greece. So we are moving al across along these lines, let's say, always keeping international. I mean, mostly focused in, in Europe. Um, and the Netherlands, I think it's like, uh, it's a very interesting market, but it's also uh very very it has become a very specific kind of so we are always interested in the netherlands but uh, so far yeah this is um the tampere the, the tampere. competition yeah this is a museum we did uh, in tampere very very i i really love uh, finland when it comes to competitions like uh, we've done also several competitions before uh, in this in, in in Finland, but this was was very nice, it, like a very beautiful set in front of a park in an important central part of the city, and all these black buildings you see there, they are all uh, kind of industrial heritage, uh, industrial buildings that nowadays they are not um, retaining their original structure, but they becoming part of the fabric, and I think what we try to do there is to 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 kind of uh, use this. Um, the, the the project as a kind of link because most of the important access uh, pass through the site. Um, this we did together with my colleague Liana Sofiadi. Um, no, it looks yeah, very nice. 
Yeah, and then the, the, the front facade of this is, is kind of, uh, so we didn't use the whole plot. We, we I think if you go in one of the next images, you can see the, yeah. So we did this kind of diagonal, uh, creating a sort of opening towards the, the park and the mm -hmm. temple that is there. So the, 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 the project's kind of stepping back to to give space to the, to the public realm. And that made it also more difficult to accommodate the program there. So we did a very dense, compact, a museum in the end so that we can give back to the city this uh, space in front of it mm. um, yeah you can see on this plan for example oh yeah cool yeah i think for, for me the most interesting when it comes to architecture is it's making gestures and statements and uh, and uh, kind of yeah, new typologies. I think also this typologically is quite interesting with a with a with a museum kind of rooting and functions kind of facilitated from this backbone on the back, the gray core, and then the public route on the front. So it's a bit like uh, Yen Yan, the private and the public. They have their own sites, and then from those sites they kind of radiate towards the center of the building. And we proposed the. Mm -hmm. uh, completely wooden, not completely, except of the course, uh, wooden structure. Uh, I think I think wooden structure is, I mean, in terms of stability, uh, I think it's coming stronger and stronger. Um, and of course, Finland is, they are the masters of uh, timber technology. So we thought it was the right place to suggest it. They're also yeah. very forward in sustainability in general, aren't they? They're way up yes. there. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I think I think stability is for me is a very interesting topic. Um, I also I was also invited in a um, conference in South Africa um, last year where I talked about stability. But for me, stability is more important from a critical point of view because I think also the market of stability is a bit like um, opportunistic and. It doesn't always give uh, long-term solutions. It's mostly trying to sell products. And um, I think out of all the professions that are involved in the, um, in the construction sector, which by the way, is one of the biggest contributors to CO2 emissions, it's, uh, it's architects. So if we are not critical, um, then there are not many professionals in the market that, that can be. And if we are not critical at all, I think we will be just following sustainability kind of directions and enrich companies here and there without necessarily um, creating long-term gains, let's say, for the for the planet. And and uh, from that point of view, I think it's it's very very interesting. Um, of course, like architects, we we know more or less. We, it's it has been our education for already now for several decades we know how to what can we do to practically make our project sustainable and then of course depends on the client the context the typology how much sustainable elements we can integrate into the design but uh, in a broader context i think um yeah it's, it's a very interesting discussion overall um but but i think a critical one uh one that should be approached critically at least yeah, there is a lot of greenwashing. I, for example, like um, yeah. also timber constructions, for example, this is more or less like a hybrid because there I see some parts in concrete. 
I've been taking part in some conferences for uh, timber construction, and um, I asked, okay, uh, now it's a lot of, it's very fancy to do timber things. And I'm not against it, but I'm questioning like, okay, how many trees you need to cut in order to build a building? And there are hundreds of cubic meters and not always you can make it with, I don't know, trees that are maybe already almost dying or or maybe they're not structurally good or yeah. So it's it's a tricky thing. I think it should be it should be look into it, as you said, very in detail and very critically. But um, it's a, tri a tricky topic for for sure. Uh, but no, the project is super interesting. I mean, you have this style that it's very very much reminding OMA be uh, because I mean of your uh, career there, so to say. Uh, yeah, so it's um, it's a very um, interesting. And this one, it was also in the one of the projects in Albania. Is this the daycare or which one is this, this one? This is in Creta. Yeah, this is in, I grew up in Creta. So usually if there is a competition in Creta in the, in the Greek island. Then I'm, I'm quite also emotionally kind of tempted to, to participate. Last time we did one uh, for the terminal station, we had a second prize in, uh, in the same city. This one was very interesting because the, the brief of it was like, like uh, actually was it was it was like it was written by covid itself because it involves um having uh, a daycare so very so babies uh, together with a, 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 prime, a, a how it's called a kindergarten so small kids and elderly uh, home into one kind of uh, complex uh, and then a community park in front of it. So, and it was like uh, published the brief right in the beginning of the lockdown of the pandemic, where everybody was trying to, to protect and uh, isolate, let's say, elderly people because they were the most vulnerable. Um, but I think it's it's a very innovative concept because you can imagine like uh, grandparents taking uh, um, the grandchildren's uh, children or, or or parents taking in in one go in the morning. Uh, the children and the grandparents um, into the same sort of facility. So we did this kind of entrance zone, which is elongated, and it creates a kind of uh, outdoors interaction area between the elderly and the children. And for the rest, we we, we kind of created sort of a, um, a, a constellation of those three functions, kind of surrounded by this uh, frame. Uh, that's why we call this the, the frame of coexistence. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, like this, I like this slope yeah. it's really cool yeah i hope this baby is gonna be fine uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there was no live testing <laughs> do, yeah. do you do everything you um in this competition do you do everything you together or only yourself with your collaborators or for example images like this you I'll go to external offices to help you. We do them in-house usually, yeah, in-house. Most of the times oh. we do them here in-house. So what do you use, Rhino? And what do you use, Enscape or something like yeah, that? Yeah, this is, this is actually Enscape in, in, for Rhino, I think. Um, yeah, I, I personally, I, I, I was always kind of forced uh, to do things in-house with the team because I never had uh, the resources to outsource images mm. or models or whatever so everything usually is done by us here 
Um, and while doing everything ourselves, I, I of course, one of the most annoying thing is uh, rendering times, waiting for the render to get rendered. And then maybe you realize when it's done that it's actually not exactly as you wanted it to be. <laughs> so I think for me, Enscape, the most important thing is like the, the fast rendering time. And uh, the connectivity to Ryan, I think it's it's very nice, very easy. And um, and the real-time function, of course, it's, it's always super impressive when you have a client meeting that you can walk them through. And now, of course, you can connect also with the VR set. Um, mm. So, and, uh, and, yeah. And you have also all these ad assets, right? 3D assets, like, I don't know, I think fruits and stuff like that you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can the, directly use uh, from, from there. No, but it's very nice and... Uh, I mean, the, like the, the, you... the main thing about renderings is usually like the, the more detail you put, the, the the more realistic they look, if realisticness is the yeah. purpose, let's say. But uh, yeah, we always had, so usually most of our images uh, were photoshopped by uh, Carolina, um, uh, the, the co-founder, and the, the last years she's not so much involved anymore, but uh, we, she always brought this dimension to our images, and I think we... We, we will try to retain this depend no matter with the software where where we we try we try to have them kind of realistic and kind of artistic at the same time but without ending up being too artistic or too realistic uh mm, because of course yeah. it's never gonna be uh built as in the renders or at least that should not be the aim like when i see sometimes architects being proud of how it was rendered and how it was built exactly the same I'm I'm getting a bit skeptical because I think like the 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 real project should be improved until the end and if sometimes you along the way especially during construction you can see a material that is better than what you designed or a system that is I think you should have the freedom to to change it uh during the process so for me it's not necessarily like that we built something exactly as we designed it it's more about building it the best that we could build right so in that sense, it's like reviewing and designing it until the last uh, moment. And um, yeah. And this but one is also uh, somewhere in Albania being the construction right now, right? Yeah, yeah. this is a uh, Sphinx Loft. It's in the city of Duras. We are doing it in collaboration with uh, City Foster and Martin Soboda. Uh, these are working images. They are not, uh, let's say, final renders. These are from the latest presentations that we share with the client. So it's a project we are working for many years actually now, and it has been stuck. Uh, so it has been stuck in this moment uh, for some years now. Uh, they build a structure and some internal walls, and they stop. But now we have restarted it. So we are taking the um the the project uh the construction we're, we're taking the construction further so um and it's quite interesting because i think it's it's like working in albania is like a very particular context it's like um you cannot do the design phases and the design process that you would do in netherlands where you expect from everyone to be super experienced and up to standard uh in all phases and uh, it's it's a bit more like uh like walking hand by hand to hand with a client and the people involved there and trying to to create let's say architectural excitement and excellence uh, by using the means that they have and the tools that they have so 
uh, yeah, in the beginning we went there, we said like, this is a design, please build it like this. And then you realize that actually you have to instruct them how to build. They don't know uh, how to build things that are not super standard or that are, or they, they cannot imagine the standard that you imagine when you are talking to them. So then you have to make sure that you find the products and the providers uh, and you give it to them uh, and you explain. So it's not more, it's not so much about how many drawings you're gonna give them. You can give them very little drawings, but it's important to, to them to, exp to explain them what you, what, is, what are the priorities of the specific drawing and what really you want to see realized out of all those ideas that you may have in a project. And uh, I kind of like it because I also speak the language and uh, I, I like the people. So it's working in my original country. I think it's it's quite exciting. And it has also a feeling of, of, of contributing something. So this project is it's right in front of the, of the, of the Adriatic Sea, uh, full sea view, framed views. And then we did those balconies, which are a bit like primitive, like uh, uh, creating this sort of dynamic, um, mostly because we there is a super beautiful sunset here uh, in the evening hours. And we wanted to fragment as much as possible the facade and it's gonna be mostly glazed, the, the balcony and the, and the glazing. So you're gonna see kind of different reflections of the sunset while you are, and it has, of course, it has a public uh, esplanade. Um, it's, it's the Lungomare of the city, that's the last part of the Lungomare. So I think also for the public, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting sort of a, a situation, visual situation when the sunset is being sort of reflected. And, um, and uh, of course, it's going to have a public, uh, public uh, ground floor with restaurants and uh, cafes. And we also have mm -hmm. a rooftop uh, on top, which is, um, uh, it's also going to be uh, with uh, uh restaurants and of course i cannot say exactly what it's gonna be because again in albania you know the investors they they are yeah they like doing things seeing and doing and and, and evolving with the project which i think it's okay i think once as an architect you switch off from the idea that you can control everything from the beginning to the end then you you can you can uh, you can work with uh, with that approach where you, you you set your priorities in every step and then you result with something that um, um, that it's it's actually fits also the client right because it comes from a process that's mm. it's aware to them it's uh, familiar to them it's kind of sustainable in its own way because it is then created so it is used more yeah. and, realistically and sure. in a way Mm -hmm. And it's for sure contextual. Uh, and I think that for me, contextuality is, is one of the biggest priorities. This one is another one. In, this is a one in a fear. Um, it's, it's one of the medium-sized cities in Albania. It's super nice clients. There are two partners that are super, super nice people and, and very nice uh, kind of entrepreneurs for many years. So what we do here is we take uh, a building from the nine from 1997 an existing one and we we kind of uh, add two floors and completely change it um, the facade and everything so it's a mixed-use rental space building it has a bank in the mm -hmm. front so you, here you can see the 
<clears throat> so the, the the first three floors that you yeah i mean that's the old structure but the old structure cleaned up you you really don't want to see how it looked before <laughs> and then the <clears throat> the the two floors that we added on top and then we in the front part uh, because there is a bank you you, got, you can see the bank there in front and they don't want to move and the bank it's a project that had had been through many problems that we have to solve during the process, but uh, very exciting. So what we decided to do is like, okay, we don't take the bank out. They stay during the whole construction, although we are completely uh, changing the, the project. And what we do to, to extend the front part of it is that we did a steel structure that kind of um, is positioned on the on the outside. It's almost like an exoskeleton. You can, I think you can see it in the next images. Um, and uh, and and all the concrete parts uh, they are gonna be exposed rough exposed concrete to sort of um, uh, yeah I mean uh, it's yeah. a country yeah it's a, it's a country that they always plaster almost everything like uh, the most common finish is plaster so we thought like okay we're gonna do something different we're gonna move all the existing plaster and we're gonna show the roughness of the concrete maybe to give idea for future projects. And uh, of course, the grid is one of the elements, uh, and this is uh, the steel structure that we had in front. I uh, personally, I have a, a big, big. I, I love working with structural engineers. I, I really like also in the project in Varna in the library. We, we, of course, in library we did mostly concrete structure, but also there we had some innovations in terms of structure because we worked very closely with. Yeah, Lasky in that case, in, in, and here I think it's it's very interesting. We again talking about contextuality because in this city there is um, a super advanced uh, steel factory, and we went through the factory. We had a full guide, so basically they're gonna build it like uh, five minutes away from the site is the factory, so there will be almost zero transport um, uh, distance, and basically also talking about creating jobs and everything everything is gonna be in situ almost like in the same city so in that case i think it's um and then the whole mm -hmm. facade is wrapped with this aluminium uh facade for shading no it looks cool um which city which city did you say is this it's called fear and um it's in, in the, the whole Albania, or yeah 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 it's uh, two hours from Tirana, a bit less than two hours driving from Tirana. And um, how do you get this project? Do you do competitions or do you um, do you start at one project and maybe through connections you got directly? Because you said also you wanted to be more efficient on this side that you don't spend a lot of time risking everything with competitions, but also like um, directly yeah. client connection. So is this the case? Uh, th these three projects that we are doing, they are they are in collaboration with uh, Office City Foster with Martin Soboda, uh, a very important uh, friend and collaborator of ours. So basically, he he's been in the Albania market for I think more than fifteen years now. Um, so uh, they are mostly uh, City Foster's they are City Foster's clients, and we are doing them uh, in collaboration. So. Uh, those three projects, they, they, let's say, the client is uh, from the from City Foster. Um, but um, yeah, I, I still cannot answer that question. I mean, uh, in terms of clients and networking, I think it's still a work in progress. I think now that we have realized projects, it may be easier for us to 
to find new clients. And this is one that is almost finished. It's uh, in Golem. It's very close to Douros. It starts as a hotel, and it's, there is a, tro- a project for it as a hotel. But during the pandemic, uh, of course, there was no hotel kind of services, so it's temporarily now uh, um, used as an office building. Um, and then there is the hotel version project, which uh, should be implemented later. So we had here swimming pools, which will not be used for now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see the big swimming pool here. It will be covered temporarily. Uh, and we also have a swimming pool on the 10th floor on the roof. Oh. Um, yeah, and the palm trees um, to give this sort of... Uh, it's, this is very close to the beach. It's actually one minute walk from the beach. Um, very big beachfront in the in the in the area of Golem in the city of Duras. And what was interesting here, I think, was mostly like working with the local uh, stones. So we selected eight natural stones from Albania and one from Janina, which is north of Greece. So again, kind of very contextual. And then we kind of blend those stones in um, in the separation walls in the facade and in the stair. This is the main stair, which is kind of a bit like a, creating a share effect. It's a bit like a, a switch, uh, twisted uh, per floor so that it, it can be like a different experience of using the stair, not just going up and down, but sort of uh, looking at the other people that are uh, walking the stairs, so it gives a nice it's like kind tectonics of... somehow. Like... Yeah, yeah. I think it, it becomes a bit of an experience. Uh, I think that was um, uh, the idea of it. No, it, I remember this one when we talked the first time. It was you told me, yeah, we we're building a hotel in uh, Albania, and uh, now it's uh, completed. Not as a hotel, but it is completed. Yeah, I mean the the facade and the public. Yeah, I I really like this image. This is like a bit like uh, uh, on the one side it's a bit the chaos because on the on the one side of the project there is this big highway, so it's kind of noisy and but this kind of wall, uh, stoned wall, is it's kind of represents a bit the seclusion of the room. So I think it's a bit of the, 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 the it's a bit of an edgy image. Um, yeah, that looks cool. No, it's. Uh, yeah, but I think with the opportunity, I would I would uh, recommend uh, everyone to visit Albania, um, Greece as well. Greece is in my heart, uh, but I think Albania is uh, is a new kind of destination. It's, it doesn't have so much tradition through the years in tourism. Um, and I think it's, uh, I, I really have a time of my life every time I go there, mm-hmm. especially in the summer. The Riviera is, is very beautiful and the cities are very interesting. Tirana is, is it has an amazing nightlife and amazing city. So I would recommend anyone uh, that has not been in Albania to give it a chance. No, definitely. When we go, we will get tips from you. Definitely. <laughs> or, or we go with you. The best solution. Yeah, that, that, oh, that's, yeah. Even that's even better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> that's a good plan. <laughs> it will be this year. We're doing a lot of uh, expensive holidays, so okay. next year we're gonna be broke, and uh, we. Nothing bad, actually. That's a positive side of Albania because it's. I mean, I we go to Bulgaria, where also it's not so expensive, and uh, I hope for Albania will be something similar. Yeah, it's. I think it's cheaper, but um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's. 
it depends a bit the tourism. We can talk in another discussion about tourism. Uh, I grew up in a touristic place. Sometimes you get surprised about some prices in specific, mm. either in specific areas or in specific commodities or services. Uh, don't expect Albania to be the, the cheapest always, but as a rule of thumb, let's say uh, it's it's cheaper for sure than other destinations. No, definitely. And you've been very active since the last time we talked. I mean, if that's a lot of a lot of work behind every every project. We sign our best. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, and um, you you may, so you're now the team. It's always two people, and then you collaborate with external offices. This is how you. Yeah, I mean, full time, full time, it's mostly me at this moment. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, depending on the project, uh, there are people that are either part time or let's say they get engaged on the face. And then uh, uh, we also have people that are uh, from the side of uh, City Foster that sometimes in, in some projects, they we work together. Um, so it's a bit like um, yeah, it's a bit like a, like a cloud, right? Everything now is like a cloud. <laughs> that's right good. The that's the new cloud. way of working. That's sort of yeah. like fluid and yeah. Yeah, that's I cool. think that yeah, that, that we have been doing that for long, and I think it's very interesting because that also doesn't give a typical relation of uh, employer and the employee. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a bit problematic in terms of creativity. Once you are an employee, then you either expect to get instructed or you are getting instructed anyway. And that is a bit like killing the spontaneity, curiosity, all that element that you can exclude, but then uh, your end result is not going to be either experimental or very creative. So I think. Hmm. Uh, how do yeah. you, how do you deal with the, um, of course, as you said, there is this side of being more spontaneous and more, entrepreneurial because i mean it depends on you but how do you deal with the um, uh, big uncertainty so to say i was also connected with your private life you you have a son family uh and of course the cash flow when you're uh, independent it's a very uh yeah floating so to say um have you learned by now to deal with this or do you have a maybe some strict budgeting technique or something like that. Yeah, to be honest, it's some, that, that's what I've been thinking most of the time, the last year or, or two years. It's a bit like, how do you rationalize the business plan or the feasibility of the whole office and project thing? But I, I'm also, I also have a bit of internal resistance because, you know, at, when you get a bit more experience or at least in this age, uh, I operate now. Uh, you, you definitely know what you don't like. You, you are not sure what you like, but you definitely know what you don't like. And um, <clears throat> the path of, of making it rational and feasible, it's it's not necessarily one that will will keep it creative. And um, and uh, I I don't know. I always saw architecture as a passion, not so much as a profession, let's say. And uh, it was it was good so far. Where as you say, like life costs were lower and we were more flexible but moving forward in a lifestyle which is a bit more restricted and uh, with bigger expenses it has to be a bit more feasible but at the same time stay creative so i'm not sure uh, how we're gonna 
do it, but it's a, it's a brainstorm, let's say, period, uh, thinking about it a lot, how to secure and future-proof the office in terms of finances and everything, but still keep its original core idea, which was always collaborating in a, in a non-conventional way and coming up with concepts that are not necessarily profitable, but that they bring something in architecture. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not really sure, but it's something that uh, we have to figure out moving forward. No, maybe as we were talking before with Eric, there are these new ways of financing things like uh, NFTs, Patreon, stuff like that. Maybe there will be more. There is now the metaverse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe there is something that also. Um, I think in the if the this metaverse thing becomes, I have to understand it better because uh, so far. Um, I have to understand exactly what are the advantages of the metaverse. Um, well, the metaverse has to find itself first. I think everybody is experimenting with that at the moment. No, I was I was mentioning in some other talks I've had on Twitter and in some rooms about the topic, is that for me the metaverse makes sense if it's like a, sort of a social media where you own a piece of that social media where you completely independent and you can do whatever you want and then you can any it, and it can be more interactive so to say so that instead of now we're watching us on a screen being in this virtual room virtual reality where we are one step further more interacting with each other despite not having to fly or travel and mm -hmm. uh and in that situation for example building the environment will be the important part and it will be very interesting because you won't have all the rules like statics um and uh, yeah. materials you can do crazy stuff out of out of everything so that would be that would be something interesting yeah um i think what what, what every kind of idea or like the metaverse that doesn't have a dimension of the physical world i think it's a bit problematic because i mean i, I saw the whole video of uh, facebook uh, when they released the metaverse and the whole idea uh, i think it's like yeah if you if you want to if you want to to get entertained in the digital realm you can play video games with vr and you're gonna be very entertained and once you you shut it off. Uh, you 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 go to visit to the physical world, and then that's what happens there. I think that's most important. So for me, like yeah, the avatar, the metaverse, going into rooms, uh, buying digital properties. Um, I don't know. I I was I played Sims when I was very young, so I got excited <laughs> back then for those ideas. Nowadays, I don't know. Let's see. It's it's definitely a very interesting. Uh, topic or very interesting the whole vr um, technology i think it's also interesting for us in architecture um but um for me it's i i don't see anything uh, groundbreaking or radical or transformative for the society and in that sense i'm not mm -hmm. very very excited for now um but yeah why not we'll see where where it goes because i think that that still has to be shaped. So it's really, yeah. I think it's I too think, early to say. I think everything is like, no, mm -hmm. go ahead. 
No, I think the my only expectation uh, is the only thing. But I, I don't really expect I don't expect much innovation from Facebook, to be honest, uh, or from the Meta. I think they are an oversaturated kind of uh, centralized corporation. But that's why they're that's why they're getting they're trying to attract businesses that are going to bring the innovation to make something out of it. The last I yeah. heard was that Zuckerberg was, for example, in Italy in Milano and he was talking to a lot of fashion houses because the fashion sector is something that they're playing with the metaverse intensely at the moment but at the mo but most businesses and most companies are like okay what what are what are we supposed to do with it what are the possibilities how can yeah. we how can we also monetize it or how can we you know bring people to go there and what are they supposed to do there etc and i think that those are all the questions that are being played with at the moment, but I don't think the innovation is going to come from Facebook or Meta. I think they're giving sort of the space and like, hey, tell us, yeah. what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that's the problem when you become so big and corporate, like you you don't uh, hope to to bring innovate to create innovation anymore. You you just look to buy it around and um anything innovative when you buy it then it's not so innovative anymore because you're gonna also bring your rules into that and you then you contaminate yeah. it and then you you break its original formula so um yeah yeah we'll, we'll see yeah but i i think i saw like there, is, there are more probabilities that microsoft is gonna innovate on the metaverse rather than facebook because microsoft has um has been in the gaming business through xbox yeah. and uh for a long time, so maybe on that front we can see some something happen there. Um, maybe, but maybe, yeah, we'll see. It's still unclear. No, it will be interesting, and it's something to be um, understood. But maybe, like you know, you can. It's been talked a lot around that architecture offices make a lot. Of project that never get built and never get out there never get realized and you can sell basically like the whole stock of plans and drawings as an nft to someone else and say now you're the owner of this project you can if you want to implement it later on you own it so i don't know there are options there are always options um mm -hmm. So I think I don't know. For me, it's always understanding something how how it can be used, and uh, everything is like a tool. Like uh, you can use a hammer to hurt someone, but you can use also the hammer to build something up. So I don't know. I have to understand yeah. how the tool can be used or not, and then I can evaluate if it's um, good or bad, independent from from what it's what is my feeling about it i don't know sometimes you cannot stop um, the flow of the world right so even if you don't get uncomfortable with some things that are maybe silly then um, you have to adapt anyways because otherwise you're a little bit like if you were without any kind of social media any kind of online presence nowadays you would be cut off from so much so I think in the future, if this is the direction, we will have to adapt somehow. Yeah, and I think I now remember actually. But um, now that you said that, I remember also the promotion from from Meta, from Metaverse was a bit like uh, you can be anyone you want in the in the oh, you yeah. have your avatar, 
you can you can make your space and one i think i think we we are a bit uh we, we are now much more experienced on the social media kind of uh, realm we got excited initially with facebook then we went then we had instagram i think i think people are getting a bit tired uh mentally and psychologically uh of being someone else or or at least uh not being able to distinguish who is who and what is real and what is fake uh, i think the opposite is kind of true uh, people don't i think we we now want more and more to be ourselves and it's not really possible because everything is like uh, in so pointing on the different direction you it's not so cool to be yourself it's not so cool to just accept where you live or to show uh and there are here in Netherlands there are big housing problems. Um, of course, with the refugee crisis in Ukraine, there are like uh, I think I, I think it would be interesting to see more, uh, or at least I think that will happen inevitably, where people will be more and more rejecting those kind of platforms that want you to be someone else or to want you to 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 show that you are someone else and make you embarrassed of your of who you are and where you live and uh, what's your context and i think that's 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 one of the parameters that um, they either have to 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 consider uh, significantly um, and of course when you're talking about meta on facebook and instagram everything about the image everything about the uh, i think it was also not their original uh, aim or their original goal I think originally was to connect people and uh, have them share. Um, so th that was one of the aspects that I think bothered me a lot uh, in the discussion about the metaverse. Um, we need less avatars and we need more, yeah, I mean, embracing who we are and being ourselves. I think that's important. Yeah, and then figuring out who we are even. I mean, there's a whole generation of children growing up. And I recently heard on, on a different podcast, this um, the host was asked by her niece. She's like, I think she was 11 or something. Oh, she's so frustrated. She doesn't know who, what her brand is. And the host was like, you're 11. Figure out yeah. who you are first. <laughs> and we'll see if it's necessary to be a brand or not or everything. So we have a whole generation of kids or young people that don't even know who they are and that yeah just have a problem with these things and then the other issue is how do you trust in the metaverse i mean how do you even trust on social media like you said are these real accounts or fake accounts or news or information how what happens to the trust between people when it's fully digital it's like what is what is the currency that proves that trust or that relays it. I think that's another discussion that's going to yeah. be very, very interesting in, 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 in the future. Well, I've really enjoyed after post post lockdown, I really enjoyed uh, human interactions again. Like you talk to people uh, one yeah. to one uh, and you see, you see that there is depth in their character. I mean, you exchange like few words and you are already intrigued by, by how someone thinks it is different to you and what they have to say. And uh, I think we are more surprised because we, we did have to be in that long lockdown for a long time, but also because yeah, we are so much uh, into into the into our phones um, that um, yeah, and no uh, mask. I don't know how uh, it is in the Netherlands, but uh, like for me, yeah. seeing since um, 
since they stopped um, the obligate, the mandatory mask in the supermarkets here, I started going without. So the first days they were like uh, people looking at you like with the eyes of you are an assassin, and uh, <laughs> and then the other people without mask that they were see you too, and they were like, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> 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 So, like, uh, how do I explain to other people that I'm triple vaccinated and and everything? And yeah. well, in the future, it's just going to be like a little icon over you that has like three, you know, little stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to levitate over you. It's it's, in, it's then going to be AR. People are going to hold the phone or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, I can go that near that that person. He has three badges." Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. I think I noticed there is a, there is a super nice uh, comedy in Netflix, a French comedy about the lockdown and everything. Oh yeah, uh, I saw that one too. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I just didn't want to see it. I saw the the, the trailer and it looked very nice. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't see the movie because it was so much. Like we it's went too close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe in some years I will be able to see it. Uh, yeah, I mm. felt the same way. It's funny. I felt the exact same way. I was like, oh, it's just too close to that. It's not just funny. Happened. No, yes, exactly. It's not funny. More yet. painful than not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then I was thinking like, like you know, like, um, like growing up, for example, we see so many war movies, for example, that are based on real wars or real events. Then I was thinking like those people that were fighting those wars and they really um lost people or lost their mental health that then they had to be reminded of it through movies that would be coming year after year or decade decade after decade and if you've not been there um it's, it can be a fun movie yeah. it can be an educational but if you've been part of that then uh, it must be very very hard to to see it and uh, yeah i was I was there is this movie Fury. It's also like a war movie with Brad Pitt, yeah. and they're uh, with a tank in in the Second World War, and they're coming from France to Frankfurt, and, um, and like the whole movie, you cheer for them, right? Because they are like coming to liberate, and they're killing people. And then I ask, like, uh, I figure out I was like. I asked some of my friends like that are Germans. I was like, how do you watch this movie? Because literally everybody's cheering against what, against what was your country back then. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's it, it must, there are certain things that are uh, weird to see represented in an entertaining way, so to say. Um, yeah. There are many movies with Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt uh, loving to kill the Nazis. No, I, I've lost the count. <laughs> they are all kind of nice, but uh, I think <laughs> I maybe think he, he loves... has that on his CV. Special yeah. capabilities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, no. Yeah. But he he's, Germany... he's so good. He's so good in uh, in killing Nazis in movies. I think he, he fits him so na so nice. That <laughs> Like there, there are often people when they get frustrated, I don't know, with something or especially at work or in front of the screen. Um, I hear sometimes in the background here in Germany, you know, like nine, 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 nine. And I always think about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a bad thing yeah, that I always think about that movie and I have to laugh. Uh, but um, here it's super bad to 
being ironic on that period of time so i had to learn that uh, the hard way and uh, keep my thoughts for myself so to say yeah yeah i i mean nazism was not germany necessarily uh, uh, yeah fascism exactly. was not italy necessarily and uh, so on i think uh, even in, in, when we're talking about russia now um you have to be a bit careful because you can imagine that the people of Russia, um, they are also in a very difficult position. Um, they cannot uh, express themselves freely. They cannot protest. They cannot even have access to, to, to truth uh, to, or to, let's say, not to, to news and information that is not uh, filtered through them. So there's so much you can do sometimes in such conditions where uh, authoritarian, let's say, power is is just not giving you many options and just not making it clear even what options are or which direction is is, is leading mm -hmm. towards something that is better or more honest or so. Um, and I can imagine also Russian people that are against this whole. Um, they are they are also in a very difficult positions. Um, but so oh, I have a yeah. lot of Russian friends and a lot of Ukrainian friends, and um, yeah, it's a very peculiar um, situation when the political sort of initiative or the political advances and the military ones are not really they didn't, didn't really go to a referendum, no. So I don't know also the the mandate of Putin. Uh, he, he definitely didn't have this mandate to do this, um, but that's why the whole operation is is uh, is authoritarian, um, and it's it's all wrong from the very beginning. Um, no, totally, it's a very complex uh, situation. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a very complex situation, but uh, you know, if you start through different steps, uh, like the first step is okay, who. I don't. I cannot. Um, I cannot uh, understand anyone that um, decides to go starting a war, whether it's America or Russia or any other country. To me, in the in the day and age we're living right now, there should be so uh, always some sort of dialogue and some sort of diplomatic solution. And then afterwards, you can go on different levels and check, okay, like like this is the first thing. And, and then the different levels, of course, they have a lot of nuances, as you said, and you cannot generalize. And I'm definitely against that. Um, but yeah, it's like um, a very complicated topic. Like it's a very, it's not simple. You should, there are a lot of, um, it's not so simple. You cannot say... You can say only that the the, per, the the side that's starting the war, the war, it's in of course in the sense of the people that are in the decision making, of course, are wrong. And then after that, of course, there are some regular Russian people that are for the war. There are regular Russian people that are against, and there are. The, it's very complex to understand a certain society, right? So it's like. Um, it's like a living organism and you, you don't know, yeah, it's very complicated. So, and it's, it develops, uh, across different generations, I think. I um, just have to say that I'm, I'm really, 
I'm really excited with the the resistance that you that the Ukrainians show, and I think it's also very very exciting the the whole global let's say um, uh, support and uh, solidarity. Um, I think uh, hopefully this can be somehow the the last war that that could be avoided. You know, of course. When you're talking about war, it's but being yeah, the first the first war that is exposed to the social media and it's like it's like so global and so profound and so and looks completely out of place. Um, it kind of I mean I, Harari was saying like in the past for for all for since ever let's say peace was considered just like a temporary absence of war. Uh, so it's only like in this super tiny time frame of our whole timeline that actually it seems like like war um, is a temporary in, in interruption of peace uh, so I think overally that makes us at least we should be feel very lucky as a generation or as a moment in time where we we have advanced so much that we we, we consider that this war is is uh, is just so so unnecessary like uh, mm -hmm. in every moment in the past it was like war was just a normality um and but but you can see like with this global solidarity and the whole sanctions and the whole kind of assistance uh, it, it kind of rents war um almost like um like it's it's a bit hard to understand what russia is winning out of all this thing and so easy to understand what it's losing um so i think if we move into this this direction we can kind of um create a collective sort of resistance towards uh, against war uh, moving forward in the future where but but we should be able to 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 be more proactive so in this case of course nobody imagined that this would happen but we can show this solidarity more proactively in the future in the other occasions where these wars can be uh, even um, not nobody would dare to to to, to do such wars uh, because they would already feel the the the, the opposition let's say um, mm. well i i know i understand what you're saying and i do agree on the other hand there are still areas in the world where there is war going on and just doesn't stop going on and it's just a normality and so i think what this reminds me is that this specific conflict and war is very close to home so it feels like much bigger if i think of the conflicts in south america or in the middle east they fell so far away even though they're still happening partly so I don't know. I think yes, global global solidarity and support, but it's still shown that there's a two tier or a three tier um, status ladder, and that because this is happening in the EU and Russia is involved and the US is not involved but has commented on it, it's sort of like a bigger problem or a bigger issue than other conflicts or atrocities for example, in the Middle East. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's a really big discussion. It's, yeah. there are so many facets and perspectives to be taken. Um, 
but this one is definitely very close to here. I mean, extremely, extremely yeah. close. You mentioned the refugees. It has economical impact. It has, yeah, business impact too. I mean, it has personal impact. It's just really close. No, right, so you, will, you, you will excuse me if we close it here because I, I do have to go to pick up my son. Uh, oh, no, definitely. No, <laughs> we went even overboard because we were having so much fun. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I could I could definitely sit for another two hours. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, no, let's let's stay in touch. Um, we definitely don't want to keep you away from your son. Uh, Egan, thank you very much for spending time with us on a Sunday and um, we'll see you around soon and uh, you're always welcome back to come back and uh, share more of your beautiful projects and also bring on some of your collaborators and partners. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck thank you, with Egan. the next uh, 100. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks. <yeah. laughs> Keep in touch. Bye. 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 See you. Every time I say bye, I'm like almost clicking to leave. <laughs> uh, it's like every time I was like, nope, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, let's share a little bit of the uh, Discord. If someone wants to join us for so it just have we just have um 10 minutes on there because at four tutor is joining us yes so we're having a a, a short break yeah i think uh, let's let's do a short little mini break yeah. uh ah you have it open super so we have the discord um so if you guys want to chat with us just um yeah join the discord uh we will you can see also here the rules of the of the server um, and if you're not on discord yet we suggest you to have like an account because it's the thing now kind of and um yeah we're gonna be having a 10 minutes break before uh the next guest comes so stick around and uh, we're starting at uh, four with Tudor Vasilio from the Panopticon, uh, Romanian, Romanian office for architectural visualization. As I mentioned in, between, in the beginning of the live, unfortunately, uh, Fabio Palvelli had a problem, so we won't, he won't be able to make it to the stream, but uh, we will be having on... Um, then afterwards, Arturo Tedeschi. And I think uh, it's going to be a quite long live as we're over almost at three hours now. So, yeah, it will be interesting. And, uh, yes, hope to hope to see you around for, for four o'clock. And now a little break.